Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer, we can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 71 of Beer and Other Shit Podcast Adjunct Series Quarantine Edition. This evening, of course, we have a very special podcast, but before I get into it, you know the vibes. We're going to hit the sponsor. This evening's podcast is, of course, brought to you by Dr. Nick's Amazing Man Stuff, who make products for humans with hair on their face. Um, these guys do some pretty fun stuff, man. They're a Massachusetts-based company, and then um, we work with them because they have a really great craft beer ethos. Everything that you've seen here that they do is produced in the States from the bottles to the liquid inside it. The, uh, the product itself they have three different ones. They have a uh, beard oil, they have beard balms, and they have face sanitizers. Now, the ones I'm talking about tonight are the beard oils from their beard beard series. And these are cool because one is uh, made after an IPA and one is made after a stout to actually smell like that on your damn face. It's crazy. The IPA has citrus, pine, and hops, and the stout has vanilla, coffee, and chocolate. And the essential oils they use for these, they're actually done by a Reiki, they're blessed by a Reiki master in Hawaii, which is pretty dope. And essential oils, I learned, are very different from the cheap fragrance oils that kind of uh, can irritate the skin. The essential oils are super high quality. It's a couple hundred bucks per ounce of this stuff. And they make the oils by actually using the real product. So if, if it's vanilla, they soak the vanilla in these oils. If it's hot, same deal. So that's how they were able to do that. Um, even cooler than the beard beer, though, they have uh, a series coming up, a Brewmaster series, where they're collaborating with the brewmasters of some of the biggest breweries in New England, Trillium Treehouse, Vitamin C, Lawson's up in Vermont, and they're going to recreate one of their like you know famous beers in beard oil form. So you can not only drink it, but you can smell like it. I'm excited for that. Um, of course, if uh, you know if we're talking about it, we've got a discount code. You use the code BAOS21. BAOS21. Uh, on drnicks.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, Nicks, N-I-C-K-S. And uh, you're going to get 15% off your order. Plus, if you order two, these are like 21, 22. Wow, okay, relax. Um, you know, if your order is over 40 bucks, you get free shipping in North America. So this stuff is killer. Drnicks.com, B-O-S-21. Get it. Make your face smell amazing. Now, with that said, um, these next few weeks are going to be Every Friday, at least, in the All Ottawa, um, I have. I'm going to be joined by my co-host, who you know and love, Nathan from Nathan Does Beer, and also importantly, the lead writer. He owns the BOS blog, and he is going to be. Um, you know, we wanted to craft a, um, you know, a few weeks where we just focus on some Ottawa breweries, particularly that we hadn't had on the podcast. And this evening, this is a brewery that I've been to one time before. Fortunately, before everything went to to shit. But um, I haven't actually, we haven't, you know, actually sat down with these guys and got the full story. So I'm super excited. Let me unmute everybody. Um, guys, please welcome Nathan, of course, and we've got Farrah Boris and Laura from Bicycle Brewing. Yay! Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Great to see you all. Thank you for hanging out. Can you hear me? Did I, oh, fuck. Do you know what I did? See, this is why I don't mute people. I didn't the mute, the unmute them. <laughs> Let's just pretend we did that again. Yes, welcome guys. Thank you so much for hanging out. I don't know. I don't know why that. I stopped doing. Well, thanks for having us. Such a pleasure. Um, so you know, like I was saying, this is this is super cool. Um, I, I really been looking forward to to doing this. I feel like we planned all this so long ago. It must have been like, like in February or something. It just felt like so far away. But you know, 
we hear That's now. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah, getting, it, was, it was booked it was, uh, right? quite a while ago. <laughs> it was. So I'm, I'm super excited, though, because this is like, uh, you know, all of us have now been restricted to travel, but doing these virtual things, whilst it's not how we always pictured it uh, to go down, it's uh, the, the next best thing. We still get to hang out and drink the same thing. And you know, it's, I've, I've quite enjoyed doing these. So I'm really, really happy to have you guys on. So with that said, let's crack a beer. And we're going to start with this bad boy right here, one of your classics, Frequency American Pale Ale. Look at that sick label right there. Love it. Um, <laughs> right on. Do you uh, I just not even notice the small things. I feel like I don't look at beer labels close enough sometimes. This is great. Um, yeah, tell us about this particular beer. Um, you know, how it came about, what's in it, what, what's going on here. Sounds good. Yeah, so, um, you know, we just wanted to make a APA back in the day when we started releasing it. I think we started making this in end of 2016 or something. Okay. And we were still uh, offering beer in growlers and uh, grumblers. If you remember. What's a grumbler again? And, um, Is that like the plastic thing? Uh, I mean, we just used to call the the growlers uh, one liter Boston rounds or the anything smaller than a two liter growler grumbler just for fun. I mean, there's grumblers are different things are called grumbler. I think that's what we call it, grumbler. Okay. Yeah, and, it, it, it's yeah, funny. So, uh, that was one of those cases of almost everyone had a different name for the, the like for the one liter yeah. growlers. Like sometimes they were grumblers, sometimes they were howlers. Uh, like sometimes there was a bunch of other ones. Uh, anyways, sorry to yeah. cut you off. Continue, please. No worries at all. So uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is de- definitely changed from the original beer we started making. Uh, we we tried it with um, basically. Um, Different yeast at first. Um, uh, how about we have a sip, guys? Of course. Cheers. Guys, cheers. Welcome. Yeah, cheers. yeah let's do it. Cheers. cheers. Lovely. It's got that nice chalky dryness. Um, wicked haze, nice head. Um, I'm getting a little bit of the... I feel like this is my first beer of the night. I feel like I'm always throwing off a little bit. Is, is there any hot burn in this I'm getting? Or am I detecting that wrong? Uh, there may be a tiny bit. It's just because it's super fresh. Uh, but uh, I love uh, we, we basically, yeah. So uh, when we started making this beer, it was uh, uh, we used the uh, um, chico chico yeast, like a, just a clean American yeast, uh, and uh, we we toyed with Eldorado and then Citra, just played it out and gave it out to our customers and asked for the feedbacks and stuff like that. A majority of them liked the Eldorado version a little bit better. So do, so do we. So we kind of decided to make this beer uh, 100% Eldorado. It's just Eldorado is one of our favorite hops and just imparts so many different flavors. Um, and we, we thought it deserves to have 100% attention in this beer. And uh, um, so, yeah, and as we went, we decided to use other yeasts. So uh, we switched to... Uh, to Vermont ale yeast, and at some point, eventually, we switched it to Foggy London. Uh, it's Scarpman Labs brand. Shout out to them. Um, so yeah, there you are. This is uh, this is the final beer. Um, of course, uh, this beer is sold out of our brewery and some accounts, and also LCBO as in Ottawa only. I love and um, is uh, like is is Foggy London what's in the, like, like what's in this uh, this version now? It is yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, you, you were talking about the evolution of this, uh, uh, like over the years, and um, I'm thinking back uh, a couple of years ago um, when I was uh, like when I was writing the blog post about uh, like about a couple of them, and this is one of the ones I wrote about there. And um, I remember noting that it had a bit more of a malty sweetness to it, um, uh, like at that time. And what I'm noticing about this version is that it's quite a bit more dry. Um, and uh, like an like a more like more of a kind of like juicy citrus vibe go, uh, like going on, but uh, like but overall like just quite a bit more uh, quite a bit more dry throughout. It's um, it's an interesting evolution, and I quite like where uh, where it's wound up. Thanks, thanks, Nathan. Yeah, we we liked to make it more a drier beer that you can drink uh, in the warm summer days, or you know, a session beer. It's not it's five point four percent. It's not exactly a session beer, but it's very crushable and enjoyable. Uh, and dry beers are, you know, you can almost want to drink more every time you have a sip. So, yeah, yeah we enjoy it that way. <laughs> no, I love it. I definitely recall as well that, that like, as we're going to talk tonight, a lot of your, excuse me, a lot of your beers have, you know, been evolving over time, which is like you, you were saying that it's a part of, part of the game and it's sort of like just fun to, to sort of, see the beers and like kind of move with the times as well because it would be kind of weird if you just let it sit where it was four years ago or something and, and you know become yeah. a relic of that time that no one's interested in because tastes you know obviously change so I, I do love that um it's also cool that you were saying that it's, it's all El Dorado I feel like there's like a little it's just so interesting to essentially it's an un, I was gonna say unintentional but it's not really quite the case but it's a single hop uh beer so you really showcase that hop I'm getting a little bit of like just a little touch of like pine air in the back end as well. It's it's like super interesting. I, I love this. It's great. Yes, I feel like the you're you're right on. It's just I feel like the way that, that the rate at which we hop the spear has kind of like evolved as well. And right. In the boil and the whirlpool and dry hop and the the stages at which we dry hop. So kind of like uh, yeah, it's been changing and it's a fun thing to do. You know, we you know even with the same beer you have you almost keep the base recipe the same but you can play around with a lot of different variables what do you think yeah yeah i think it's it's changed so much from when we were using citra in it yeah and then we got um feedback from our customers as well as our team we really kind of sat down with our team and tried to sort of work through where we wanted to go with this beer and um because it was something that we always kind of dreamt of doing like a really flavorful not not too high alcohol, uh, crushable beer where you could really get the hop flavor coming through. And um, so that was kind of, I guess that our team really had a, a huge impact on, yeah. <laughs> on the hops as well. So yeah. they were really helpful with that. Yep. I love that. Did that mean, so you had, did, you, did, did people just not like the citra or, or like, because that, that's a really interesting conversation being that the, the, the beer didn't just evolve in the yeast um, side of things, but also in the, in the hopping, like you said, hopping rates, but also the actual hop. So was it the team didn't love Citra or where did that come from? Uh, so, sorry. Well, ahead. I think, I think from my perspective anyway, Citra was just too overpowering and we really wanted to showcase El Dorado and the unique flavors in it. Um, we, kind of liked how you get that little bit of candy taste to it. Um, and w when the citra was in there, it was like really, you could really notice citra. the citra. It was just a little too much. <laughs> too citra. Yeah. 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 So, uh, 
you know, we uh, also we had a couple of beers with a, a lot of Citra in them. Uh, as an example, like a Patio Sunshine, which is an uh, which is a true session ale. It's like a four point eight percent alcohol. That one we we're actually going to can a fresh batch of it tomorrow, and that one is all Citra. So that kind of we had something like that. So we didn't want to do too many Citra beers at the same time. So uh, that's another reason as well. But yeah, Eldorado is just a little bit uh, more interesting for this beer, we think. So there we go. Here for it. I love it. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's uh, Eldorado can be a bit of a can be a bit of an unsung hero. It's not one that often gets showcased on its own. So that's uh, the, 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 that's really uh, the, that's really interesting how like how this one came to be that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. No, this is great, guys. This is a great, great starting right here. So with that said, let's get, uh, I'd love to get into the beer history here from both you guys, how you both got into craft beer and how that led to the to the brewery. Because it seems like you guys were at the forefront of like the Ottawa craft beer explosion, I want to say of what, like 2015, 16, if I'm accurate there? When we started really the, changed. you know, Fall of 2014, yeah. Just okay, you're like, oh, you're fall of 20. Totally ahead of the game. You guys were actually we're, we're considered ancients now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did how did you both uh, get into beer? How did that start? You go first. Um, well, I, I don't know. I guess in we were home brewing for a long time, um, and that started actually when we went to make wine at uh, for our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and then we bought one of those uh, beer kits, you know, brew at home. You just add the yeast. Um, so we started with that and, um, and then, you know, slowly went on to, to go all grain. Um, I think uh, we both really enjoyed beer and local products, especially. It was something that we both always kind of looked for. Uh, and um, it was just something that we really wanted to try was home brewing. And when we kind of, when we got started, we really got hooked on it and kind of spent a lot of time in the backyard <laughs> home brewing and working on recipes. Um, yeah. yeah. That's uh, so, sorry, the craft beer and getting into it. Like I, I used to work at Blackberry back in the day. It was called RIM research in motion oh, in yeah. Waterloo and yeah. uh, brick brewery had the, uh, Back in the day, Brick Brewery, we had this Waterloo Dark, and uh, I just, the first time I had it, I loved it so much because it was very flavorful, uh, in my opinion, at the time, compared to, like, Heineken and stuff that I used to drink. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really liked it, and from then on, I started looking at other beers, and, um, yeah, and when we moved to Ottawa, uh, we got introduced to more beers, of course, like, there was always tank house uh, back in the day we enjoyed quite a bit and uh but then yeah we moved to ottawa we started home brewing as laura said and uh, then we got into the all grain beer and the first time we mashed in i remember the smell of the dough like when you when you mash in uh, add the hot water to the grain and mix it together it's just the smell of it is uh, intoxicating you just feel like a, a switch went on and then kind of like yeah, this is it. This is awesome. Love the smell. And of course that beer went down the drain. It was horrible at the end of the day. But, uh, 
It's the first experience and we learned quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> how that goes, right? Yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then... Yeah, so that's, uh, that's how we started. Okay. Numbering. How did... Like, where did the... Like, when did the idea spark to be like, hey, we should, like, do this, like, for real? Like, like I imagine you got good at homebrewing over time? So, yeah, we, we thought we were doing pretty good at homebrewing. We were making beers that we enjoyed and some our friends and, you know, whoever we offered it to them, they kind of liked it. So of course that it's hard to judge people when you do that, that it's your friends usually don't tell you they hate your beer. <laughs> uh, but um, anyways, we, we enjoyed making it and uh, Laura had a, you know, government job. I had, uh, I was working in it and uh, kind of really, didn't enjoy as much uh, what we were doing. And we kind of like to do a little bit of labor, a little bit of uh, have fun with uh, what we do and kind of like be creative, own our business, all that stuff led to us kind of like looking into brewing. And uh, uh, yeah, I remember uh, visiting some local breweries wherever we went, you know, and, and it was just like fun thing for us. Uh, we, not knowing how much work goes into it, of course, at the beginning. Uh, we kept saying that we know there's a lot of work, but it reality is you, you know it when you start doing it. And then, uh, but, but the love uh, never faded away. It just got stronger. And so we went on. Okay. Can you talk about, uh, where, about where the name uh, Bicycle came from? Why that, like why you chose that as your, uh, like as your brand? Yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah well, I guess it, it kind of started, we um, we moved to Ottawa from Toronto when I was transferred with the government. Um, and the first thing we loved about Ottawa was the bike paths. We just really, um, we just really fell in love with it. We would ride our bikes to Blues Fest, we would ride our bikes to breweries, and um, we liked the community around it. And we really felt that that was the thing that we loved about Ottawa. So um, when we were choosing a name, we wanted something that that represented us, also the city. And we felt that um, from our perspective, bicycle was uh, was a good fit. Um, we've both really loved cycling and um, I used to do some racing. Uh, so it's been kind of a big part of our our lives, I guess. And, uh, and Ottawa is such a great place for it. So yeah, it, was, for sure. it was kind of a natural fit for us. I love it. It really is, yeah. It's uh, there's like there's a lot of uh, beautiful, beautiful biking paths uh, like all over the city. So yeah, that's uh, that's not surprising that that served as a motivation. <laughs> so then the actual yeah. region that you're in, um, yeah, tell us about actually finding the place because one of the things I've noticed in in the beer stories from folks, and and I, I imagine it's pretty similar to any business who needs a physical space, is the challenges around finding the space in, in, in an area that's sort of reasonably reachable, um, that has, you know, the uh, ability to be able to be converted into a brewery that has a lot of unique requirements as far as drainage and electricity and pipes and all that stuff. Like, how was that for you guys? Was it, was it a pleasure or was it a nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it took longer than we expected. <laughs> it was a long process. It was probably the longest part of uh, whole thing for us uh, from the plan to the opening day uh, we looked for a place for over a year easily wow. and uh, it, of course we started looking we, we had we, we knew we 
we didn't have a whole big of a budget anyways. And so we, we knew how much money we had, which wasn't a whole lot. And we, so we decided to kind of go smaller. So okay. we were looking for a thousand square feet space. But as soon as we stepped in, yeah, we stepped into those places. We noticed this is this is not going to work. You put, you know, put the brew house. I mean, some people may be able to to do it and the great great job of setting it up. And but we thought we need more space to, because we had an idea to have a tap room. And it's and to be honest, back in the day when we started this, thing, there weren't many tap rooms in Ottawa or like around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you there was like brew pubs that had you know the full on restaurants. And then there was the breweries that necessarily didn't have tap room as much. Like some bigger ones may have some space, may have had some space, but uh, in Ottawa, uh, there wasn't much going on in that scene. Uh, so we we anticipated to have a tap room. Uh, as a result, we decided to up the size of the uh, space that we were looking for. And you know, there is a lot of zoning by law requirements for uh, opening a brewery. Uh, if you're not a rest, if you're not a t- brew pub, you need to be in a light industrial zone. I, I, I think I heard it might have changed, but at the time that was the case. And so we, uh, you know, we were looking in the industrial locations and they're not necessarily the very walk friendly or like bike friendly places in general. But uh, we were lucky to find this place in, on Industrial Avenue because, uh, you know, there's just a bike path by the Rideau River you can get on that bike path from pretty much anywhere and uh, and then just ride on Coronation behind the brewery, which is a very bike-friendly street. It's not a bike path, but it is a bike-friendly street. And you don't even have to see the Industrial Avenue till you get to the brewery. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, I think, uh, I mean, there's a big community behind us as well. A lot of people walk to the brewery, buy their beer, which we weren't, we weren't thinking of when we opened and uh, that, that, that was a bonus for us, I think. That's great. Um, okay. No, that, that makes a lot of sense about the, the light industrial zone thing. I imagine that's probably still the case, but so did you guys have the tap room from the beginning? Like where people can purchase and drink on the side? Yes. We did, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so we, we when we opened, uh, we had a, the, you know, we still a, a, a third of a space in our brewery is the tap room. Uh, like the whole building that we occupy. And um, and we had a huge couch. We, it was fun. We, we built everything really there, Laura and I, just the two of us. So we built a bar there. We even put a built our sign from cedar uh, planks outside. And it was like it took us uh, three days to build it and one full day to install it. We were just laughing, saying this <laughs> It's no joke. These things are so expensive. It takes so much work. So yeah. uh, anyways, when we, you know, we, we had fun doing it. Um, and uh, yeah, so we had a huge green couch. We bought it off Kijiji. It was, uh, it was on the corner of the tap room. And then we, bought, we went and bought a, a, a harvest table, one of the, the one that is currently still at the brewery, in the middle of the brewery, just kind of like a sharing table. Everybody sit at the table and chat and have a drink and get to know each other. Um, so that was the only setup we had, right? I think, yeah, I think our, one of our challenges was, um, getting the, the permit, um, and you went to, to city hall for that. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, not a whole lot of breweries, uh, as I said, like they were thinking about the tap room at the time, at least in Ottawa, as far as I know. And 
So for instance, there were breweries like Beyond the Pet was open and they, you know, they would probably serve beer there, but it wasn't really a tap. It was a tiny, their first location, which was a very tiny space. So um, anyways, yeah. but we, we wanted to have a bigger space. Yeah. So we went to the city and we had to get a buy the glass permit, which was kind of like a, interesting thing and it, it, it's funny because i was kind of lost in the city hall i didn't know where i'm going like just entered the door and then this gentleman walked in he was wearing shorts so i thought just like you know in this summertime i thought he's you know like like myself looking around uh, for something and he said uh, can i help you i said i am looking for somebody who can direct me to the right place i need to get this kind of permit and there's an authorization uh, from the city required throughout this process and they said well he said well, i'm the city cleric i was just dropped in today to see what's going on for you know check my office so i forgot his name such a nice gentleman and he just said it kind of like took me to his office and sorted out everything he just typed it a letter and said come come you know come with me we went upstairs oh, and got the world. yeah everything done like that's it that was so easy and uh and yeah so i think we were to see and then they kind of did a blanket approval for all the breweries in ottawa because of that appointment we had with them that uh, basically everybody can have a buy the glass permit at, from the city's point of view. Of course, buy the glass permit is a AGCO requirement, but the uh, city needs to approve it. So there we had it. it Changing the awesome. game, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I I hadn't really uh, like, I hadn't really thought of that. But look, but looking back, like at the like at the time around like 2014, 2015, uh, like that's true. Like you mentioned, beyond the pale, uh, like at their old location, just uh, they kind of just had like that tiny little like like three person bar space and uh, like and that was about it like enough space to have a couple of samples and whatnot and it was uh, like a pretty tight space and uh, uh, like Dominion City's space was a lot sm- like was a lot smaller at the time uh, that, like they didn't have uh, a tap room space or whatnot uh, same kind of deal with Kitchissippi um, but yeah like uh, like but then. Uh, like you're mentioning your guys' space, and I like, and I remember it back at that time with that, like with that old couch. It kind of like it kind of felt like a cozy living room, and like in that way, it was uh, <laughs> it was a cool space, particularly uh, like for when you guys were having uh, like any of your birthday celebrations. When you know, like you have like a live musician like over in the corner, and everyone's just kind of congregating in what feels like a big living room. It's a like it's a nice cozy yeah. space. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. good time. So thanks, Nathan. Yeah, I think we were we loved going to Beyond the Pale and having samples there and and talking to uh, Shane and Rob. We just we just really liked that before we opened the brewery. So um, we kind of you know we we liked what they were doing and we thought well maybe maybe we can add if we have the space we can add a a little bit of a bigger tap room so we can meet the customers too on that on that kind of. Uh, on that level. And, um, and then I think John from covered bridge went to the city around the same time. Right. So it was sort of us and, and, um, and John, um, and then, and then thankfully they did the blanket approval. So now everyone can not, we don't all have to go individually. (laughs) So much easier. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that's game changing for sure. And this is kind of more for all of you then, because you guys can all speak to it together. I'm just sort of curious now to what the Ottawa beer scene looked like at the end. You said you opened in fall of 2014. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Fall. Yeah. Just beginning of the fall of 2014. Yeah. Okay. So then 
yeah, talk me through what um, what what the scene kind of looked like then, as far as like how many breweries were in Ottawa. What were people making? What were you making at the time? Like, what did you open with? And sort of like you know, that you guys would have really seen being that you opened then. Like you're saying, like you guys are considered old or OGs at this point, you know, because <laughs> so much has happened in such a short you know time period. Considering because beer was pretty much the same for forever, and then all of a sudden it just kind of ever it just went nuts. So I'd love to hear more about you know what that was like at the time, and then you know, and then what that looked like over the time to how it changed for you guys as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you could jump in and correct me anytime. <laughs> I was, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, in Ottawa, it was uh, in Ottawa proper. Uh, basically, it was Kitchissippi. Uh, it was uh, Broadhead and Beyond the Pale before we opened, I think. Uh, and that's it. Dominion City, just, just one month so, before yeah, us. They opened one month right. before us, if I remember. Like They opened in August. We opened in September. Same year. Okay. And uh, I know there was other breweries at working to open, like Waller Street uh, was trying to open at around the same time. There were a couple of others, that, uh, but they ended up opening the next year, uh, most of them. Um, but so we, when we opened, um, as I said, like the tap room was kind of like our new thing we thought of. And we opened with a, a blonde ale. Uh, which we thought, you know, we you got to have a blonde there. You can't open a brewery without a blonde there. That, that's just like mentality back in the day. Right now, of, that uh, was the, that was the thing at the time. Everyone had a blonde at the Absolutely. time. Yeah, yeah. You, you had to have a blonde to just to satisfy the masses, basically. And then we had uh, Velocity IPA, which is still to date is uh, is our flagship beer. And uh, and then we had a porter. Uh, it's called Basecamp. Oatmeal porter. It was an oatmeal porter, and then the chocolate stout. Uh, at this chocolate stout, which was our take on chocolate stout, it was not your. You don't think of a sweet chocolate stout at all. It was, it was pretty bitter, uh, if, you, if I remember correctly. And uh, so we had those four beers. And uh, as I said again, it's just Laura and I. We built everything there, and we opened with these four beers. Our opening day was a blast. I mean, we had a great time working hard for it. <laughs> Just, I'm going to s- sidetrack a little bit. We we bought a used display fridge for, for our opening uh, day, basically, to, to hold the growlers and grumblers. And as I said, like it's canning wasn't a thing at, at the time uh, for small breweries. Uh, a lot of breweries that, uh, you know, were, were doing uh, – good or like they were making good beers they were doing bottles or growlers and grumblers and so we decided to go that route growlers because it was cheaper to have a start with the growlers and have a bottling line we filled all the growlers for the opening day and loaded up the fridge in the front and as i was just putting the some growlers shoving it at the bottom of the fridge i just heard something went and then Boom, 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 boom. Growlers are hitting me in the head. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just like... Oh, no. So one of these little pins that holds the shelf just like, I don't know, broke or it was rusted or something. And <laughs> just... I was hit with like five or six different bra- growlers and beer all over me, all over the floor. Oh, my God. Beer, glass. And we have neighbors. a nice neighbor, yeah. gentleman. He's, he's just tolerating us all these years. And 
the, the beer went under the wall in his unit and it just it's a mess anyways that's the the night before we open <laughs> yeah, oh, just, no. like, i know it was a nightmare had lost so many growlers so much beer and then uh yeah we we cleaned it all up for the next day for sure but <laughs> i still had to go to to our neighbor's unit and clean his unit as well because it wasn't his fault <laughs> That is wild. Well, he was, anyways, he was, he was good sport. Uh, but yeah, so we, we enlisted Laura's mom and dad to come help us at the, at the, big, at the opening day. And they, they were great help. And we, we bought some cheese and bread. It's kind of like a, remember? Yeah. Yeah. It was because like, if we put it out, there's like a, serve yourself as much as you want cheese and bread and some beer samples. And it was a great day for us. I mean. Of course, our beers were in maybe not 100% what we wanted them to be. But, I mean, the philosophy was uh, definitely from the same first day. We, we, we loved it, and our customers loved it. So we knew that's going to stay. Of course, it's evolved, but uh, it's still, uh, still the same love for it is there, I think. That's awesome. Uh, Tiffany Allen, my partner now, producer, she says, OMG, about the story. So I would never sell a growler again. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work yeah man yeah it's, it's a lot of work just like just that, 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 like like what one liter whatever growl is hitting you in the head bam 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 like geez, i can't even imagine like, it um, hurts too <laughs> yeah it would hurt a lot yeah it would um daniel shouts i think to we were mostly upset go on sorry Laura. oh Sorry, I think we were mostly upset about having to repackage uh, oh, yeah. all those Boston rounds. With beer guns. <laughs> With oh, beer guns, yeah. having to do it yeah. all over again. And the, uh, not, I mean, of course, when you, you know, money is just nothing coming in, you've been putting just money, shelling it out like it's nothing for, I imagine, oh, yeah. months and months, like setting this place up. And finally, you got the thing you've had to make money from, and then they hit you in the head <laughs> and fall over the floor. <laughs> it's, uh, at least it's maybe, maybe it was good luck. Maybe. I think so. I think, yeah, maybe it was, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, these years later, still going strong, you know. Um, shout out to Daniel coming, checking in from BC. Great convo. G'day, brother. And uh, Beer and a Boat saying, good Thanks. to see Nathan. It's always good to see Nathan. Um, I was, I was actually going to do, man. Um, ask you, Nate, as well. From how, how did you discover Bicycle and when did you discover Bicycle? Um. How I discovered, I don't like. I, I don't remember exactly. It was like it was one of those things of um, around that time in uh, the, like in 2014, 2015. Um, like it was kind of when I was like really curious to discover more breweries. So I think I probably just discovered from like. Uh, like googling Ottawa breweries to uh, like to see what was uh, to see what was out there, and I remember the first time um, going into bicycle would have been pretty on uh, pretty early on in that time. It was probably either late 2014 or early 2015. It was um, uh, like during the time when uh, like you know when all they were selling was growlers, and I uh, like and I I remember the blonde. Um, and uh, I also remember this. Might, this must have been a little bit after the like the early release because I remember Crimson Cascade as well, uh, oh, yeah. the, the, like yeah. one of the, like one of the other early ones in the Growlers. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I so I, like, and I of course remember like remember Velocipede as well. Um, 
I think the thing I remember most about uh, like about visiting you guys in the early days was uh, like was when you had the parties there, like like either your birthday parties or. Uh, um, or some of like, like I guess the beer garden events were probably like were probably a couple of years after, but uh, but like it, it, you you always brought out such a good crowd, and it was just uh, like and it was just a fun vibe there all the time. Oh, it's, it's yeah. so good to hear that again. You know, it's just yeah. it's been always uh, always fun. We had the beer and cheese pairing, beer and chocolate pairing. It's just like fun stuff, and basically open first come first serve. Every you know not ticketed it's, it's all fun just open for everybody we have dog days of course uh, people would bring their dogs it's just especially dog day sundays it was a lot of fun uh, anyways yeah good times yeah that was uh, yeah the the dog days is, is something that definitely caught a lot of attention uh, like for all of the dog owners in the city um like they, like you mentioned that they, they like you know there's a big uh, biking culture in Ottawa but they, like there's also a big um uh, like there's also a big like dog walking culture as well and uh, like i mean i guess that's true in like in most cities now but uh, any place where that like that's dog friendly uh that, like you know that like that always brings out smiling faces um, I wanted to, uh, like, like, I've got some questions about the evolution of the lineup, but, uh, before we get into that, should we crack another beer? Here for it. Oh yeah, for sure. Let's do that. Demolish um, that frequency. What are we doing, folks? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. let's, let's do a uh, tree climber. Yeah. Tree climber. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it. I love it. Um, tree climber? So, uh, see, are you going to mm. be able to, to stick yeah. around here while I go, uh, while I go grab mine? Or? Go, go, okay. Yeah, bro. Got it. Um, yeah, tell us about this one, guys. Yeah, sure. This is a... Oh, look at that. Gorgeous. So I have not had this one before. This is new to me. Is this a, uh, a new beer overall, or is this something that's been around? Uh... We did this one once before, last year, and okay. it's, a, it's, a, it's a beer that we brew with uh, Nelson Sauvain and uh, Mosaic and Amarillo. Nice. And... Uh, New England style IPA. Uh, it's it, it's it's a fun beer. We loved it, so we did it again. Oh, look at that color! Woo. Beautiful. Um, this one. I mean, Nelson's are hard to get up. That's it. <laughs> That's why we don't brew it too frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, look at that. It's, it's Ooh, one smelling, of my favorite. I'm something. I'm Ooh. smelling something dank straight off the bat there. Also, Cheers, like, I'm gonna get the photo of this one. Oh, this is gorgeous! Look at that color. The head is amazing. Yeah, yeah that's the, the, beautiful. The can is just smelling glorious. There we go. Um, first of all, cheers. Cheers, cheers. guys. Cheers. That Nelson's heavy on the nose. Ooh, yeah, it's dank. Oh wow, God. Yeah, I feel like it's been interesting even from, like, I know I'm, I'm not an Ottawa local, but because of Nate, I've been able to kind of stay up on, on what you guys have been doing. And I feel like it's it's been really cool to watch what you guys, uh, you know, I feel like evolve. It just, like, I love seeing the improvements of the beers. And I feel like every time I got some, like, wow, this is, like, this is amazing. I feel like every time that the beers are getting better. And you've also been ahead of the game, um, the game as well with stuff like the Milkshake IPAs, which I think we'll get to because you guys would certainly – one of the first that I was even aware of at, at back in 
2017 when it was cool, I guess, you know, when that was what all the kids were drinking. Yeah, that's about time. <laughs> um, so it's super cool. It's about time, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it's been super interesting. But Nate, I'll let you take uh, the question you were going to ask as well about the evolution because you would know better than me, but um, I think it's a, a super interesting thing to touch on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, talking about the, uh, like the evolution of your, uh, like of your style lineup over the years, because uh, like, like we were, uh, like we were uh, mentioning, like the, uh, like the Bell River Blonde, um, uh, like uh, Crimson Cascade, and what, uh, like, and whatnot, and the, like, the lineup is definitely more pale ale and IP, like an IPA focused uh, these days with um, like with a couple of exceptions but that like but that's undoubtedly the focus um, can you talk a little bit about how like about kind of what like what happened in between uh, like in between then and now um, as uh, the, like to cause the like the shift in your uh, in your brewing style good question definitely <clears throat> uh, I think I if I remember it again, jumping any any time, it just Laura has a better memory and better way of articulating things. Like, but I just just something comes to my mind. I have to put it out there, and uh, she'll fix me. She'll correct me. If, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, as as Nathan said, like uh, the crimson cascade, like what's a red ale, and uh, like we thought we had to have a red ale, and the, we used to make pumpkin ale every year around uh, Halloween, and you know oh, I that stuff. That. Uh, which, which which was a lot of fun too at the same time, but uh, but it was kind of like a, like a pattern that almost uh, all the breweries were following, uh, and so we we're trying to do different things, and we uh, we happened to go to uh, to the states a couple of times. Uh, particularly when we went to Hetty Topper first time and uh, we just saw the massive lineup to get in there and they sample, they would let you sample a little bit of beer, of course, but sorry. And, and then we had to line up to get the beer and, and when was we cracked it open? Of course we'd heard of it. That's why we went there. It was just uh, blew our mind. Uh, the Hetty Topper was amazing. The alchemist. I said, we lined up at Hetty Topper. It meant, yeah. meant alchemist. <laughs> Um, uh, so we wanted to do something kind of similar. So we decided to make a beer. I think it was, uh, actually the first time we actually really made an attempt to do something really interesting was 2015, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, in Ottawa, we had, uh, these, uh, uh, what was it called? In, uh, oh, the brewery market, brewery markets. Oh man. It was so much fun. The brewery market uh, oh, yeah. was in Hintonburg, yeah, every year. And, uh, you know, we, of course, the first year we opened, we went there and we had a <laughs> terrible beer. Yeah, it was, uh, what was it called? Uh, cinnamon Porter. <laughs> it was horrible. And anyways, like uh -oh. <laughs> today, when I said like it was a spicy beer, some people loved it and some people hated it. And I... I'm not one for that kind of beer anyways, but we, we made it and it was so funny. I don't think I will do that again. Um, <laughs> sorry, just off, off track. So the next year, 2015, we went there and we wanted to do something more interesting. So we got our hands on some mosaic hops and we made a beer uh, called Trillium, 
and not knowing anything about the Trillium Brewery in mm-hmm. Boston. No, we knew about Trillium Brewery, but uh, um, but we felt that that because it was the, the flower of Ontario, you know, it would be okay. Oh yeah, yes, we, right. we named our beer yeah. after it, um, after the flower, of course, not not the brewery, but. That's true. Um, in hindsight, maybe that wasn't a great idea. It wasn't, yeah. People got mad. So uh, it was a it was an IPA with mosaic, and it was really nice beer compared compared to you know Crimson Cascade and all that stuff we used to make. And um, but um, we were using like again like just like a, a clean American yeast. So uh, the flavor uh, that you expect you experience these days in juicy IPAs like something in the Tree Climber, for instance. Nothing like that was coming through. It was a lot of flavor at the time, we thought, but it wasn't like heady topper per se. So, you know, we just pursued that. I mean, just wanted to make it better and better. So trying different beers um, and finally, you know, changing yeast and uh, finally got met the amazing people at Scarpin Labs. And they, they, offer, they offered, you know, the, the fees that they have. Uh, we, we started using Vermont ale yeast first for for more juicy beers, the the beers that we wanted to make juicy and kind of like more flavorful, and uh, start to to use some more interesting hops, Citra, Mosaic, and you know Eldorado and all that stuff we could get our hands on, um, and eventually from then on moved on to you know other uh, yeasts and uh, hops to get the flavor. Uh, basically try to get the best out of uh, all these different beautiful ingredients. I think maybe like a major change in kind of our lineup and what we were offering was also just a change in the style of beer that we enjoy drinking ourselves. Um, That was kind of, that was the biggest thing. We were always IPA fans. We always loved um, particularly West coast style IPAs. Um, But uh, yeah, when we went to Alchemist, we you know we started to to try some new things in the states and uh, realized that we wanted to brew a little bit more um, geared towards our our tastes ourselves, and uh, yeah. that was kind of a major turning point. I think. I yeah, that. absolutely. I think that's, that's cool. the most important thing ever. That uh, I feel like some of the best beers um, are ones that the, the exactly that that when the brewery making it after what they want to drink. It's almost like. If you try to do, you know, they always say the marketing saying, like, if you try to appeal it to everyone, you appeal it to no one. So it's like just better to, if you want to drink this, make that. And obviously other people will want to drink that too. And you'll do that thing really well because that's what you want to do. I think there's a lot to be said about that. So that's awesome. Yeah, so, I think, yeah. I think like, we were kind of, uh, sorry, with um, with some of our, our, we had two dark beers when we opened and we only, we only had four beers mm-hmm. <laughs> total. So, right. um, it, we really made a huge change in, in that offering and it really was just, um, more or less based on, based on what we like to drink. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if I may, just a couple quick comments, Nate, and then we'll jump into you. Sorry, dude. Beer in a Bose, I said, was just yep. checking the website. There's some fire products for sure. I'm not seeing any lager beers. Is this a logistical thing, like space and time, or just a preference? So as to why maybe there's uh, no lagers right now. That's a great question. It, it's, it's definitely a logistical thing for us. We are, we're a small brewery, and uh, we have a five-hectoliter system. It, it's a five-barrel system if you we were making lager, but making IPAs and stuff like that comes to about 500 liters, five hectoliter system. 
and we double batch every day and not seven days a week, but like five days a week. And we filled bigger fermenters, like 10, 10 barrel and 20 barrel fermenters. So space, uh, fermentation space, uh, bright tank, they're all a time and all that stuff is uh, really, uh, we don't have the luxury of spending more than what we can right now. Uh, we enjoy lagers. We, we love drinking a clean Pilsner lager uh, and we get we drink them when we get our hands. So we just go, sometimes we go after them, we just buy them and drink them. But um, uh, hopefully one day, hopefully one day, yeah. Love it. And uh, Shasta, John DeJong said, greetings from Victoria, BC. I love it. A couple B, uh, BC in the building. Love that. Look at that. Bicycles known across the country, bro. Um, Nate, I, uh, right on. <laughs> I, I cut you off before. Uh, yeah. No, no, that's all right. Um, no, uh, well, it, like you're, you guys talking about like, like, you know, the way your tastes, uh, like the way your tastes have changed and how that kind of influences the, uh, the like the beers in your lineup, which like, which makes a lot of sense. And, um, as, uh, the, like, and as C was saying, um, it, like, you know, with, with all of the breweries that he's interviewed, it's a pretty consistent thing that, uh, the, like that he comes across where so like so very often the be- like like the best beers come from the breweries that are making the like the things that they want to drink. Um, is there uh, the, like is there any particular beer um, uh, like in your lineup? Whether it's uh, like whether it's one of the standbys or one of the well like one offs or returning seasonals or whatever is like is there one in particular that stands out as like one of your favorites? Go ahead, Laura. Um, well, Sorry, right you... now I love, um, <laughs> um, I, I think it's because we've been drinking a lot of New England style IPAs that um, we decided to do a, a seasonal West Coast IPA, um, yeah. which is our Willow IPA. And uh, right now that's, that's like, that's my go-to beer. I just, I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> I really like nice. kind of the, um, yeah, I've always loved West Coast IPAs and, um, it's just a change, just like a bit of a palate cleanse from um, all the hazy, juicy uh, New England beers we've been drinking, which I still love. Like, I still love, still love brewing them. Um, but uh, but Willow is is kind of a nice uh, nice change of pace right now. Right on. Uh, for me, is you know, uh, I always have a weak spot for for Velocipede, of course, but I love it so much. But uh, to be honest. Uh, most of the time, I pick on the lamb uh, as my as my choice, mm-hmm. um, and you know, between it's a toss up between on the lamb and luminescence. Actually, uh, those mm-hmm. two I really love. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, L- I don't know how luminescence, to explain. Uh, yeah, luminescence. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I uh, no. I, I hear you. So, like, like sometimes, uh, sometimes it defies explanation. Like sometimes, a beer, like a beer just speaks to you. Um, yeah, yeah like, like, like both, like both great calls. Like, uh, I've had Willow, uh, like once before for like from the previous batch, uh, it, it, like, and it's, I totally get that. That's just one of those things of when you're like, when you're on a long stretch of haze, um, like when you kind of break the pattern and, uh, like, and go for like a nice piney bit, uh, like bitter West coast, it's like, it, it's such a refreshing, uh, change of pace sometimes. Um, 
when I was uh, well, when I was asking that uh, the the question. Um, I, I had a beer in uh, like in mind for myself, um, like because. Like like you know you you know I've known the like I've known you guys at the like at the brewery for a while there and one that has stuck out as one of my favorites that you've made um, was uh, like was luminescence um, as well and I think around the early times that you brought that out was uh, like was kind of in uh, like in the early days of when lupulin powder was be uh, like was being used more often um, was that one of those cases that you mentioned earlier about uh, like just kind of experimenting with uh, like with different um, like with different brewing like uh, like with brewing innovations that like that kind of became available was that the first time you'd used lupulin powder that was actually yeah we got our hands on a Couple of bags of uh, mosaic uh, lupulin powder. It was I, I don't know if it, they were calling it cryo at the time or not. I mean, I mean but uh, we got we got our hands a couple of bags of those pelletized lupulin powder, and uh, we decided to make a, a beer with it, hundred percent mosaic, and we went with uh, with the recipe for luminescence, and uh, just blew our mind when it came out of the fermentation it was just such a aroma such a taste especially like holy smokes when you're canning that beer it's just intoxicating yeah yeah i, I, I can see it was, that it's such it. a perfect name for that beer i remember they they hooked me up with that one and i just remember the name was so perfect i remember just being just this beautiful haze with this like it felt like maybe i was tricky i just remember it like being super bright both in the in the tropical flavors, which explains it because yeah. I didn't realize it was lupulin powder, but in the, the actual haze itself, I love that one. And that just reminded me the other one that I really love from you guys. Now I feel like this tree climber is my new favorite. This is insane, by the way. I'm not, I haven't really gone on about it. Yeah, this is really good. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, there was a pink can and it had sabro. And I, what was it called? Patio oh, uh, beach, uh, hidden beach. Oh, hidden beach. Hidden beach. Yeah. 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 That was money because I think that came out at the time when Sabro was what all the kids were using, um, and it was just it was the same type of thing. That maybe was it a similar-ish recipe to Luminescence. It was just like the perfect haze and the perfect hop. Everything was just money. It's a, it's actually the base is a, you know the base malts are pretty much the same. This different uh, a little bit different grain bill, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, maybe the hopping rate is a little bit dissimilar, but just hops are so vastly different, the two of them. Right. We used the uh, Sabro and Amarillo on Hidden Beach, and yeah, it turned out really nicely, and we we bring it out every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I love that beer. Yeah. 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 We actually have a beer that uh, uh, we brewed, uh, I just, it's just a memory of my father. He passed away a couple of years ago, and we... We we named the beer Astara, which is where he was born in Iran, and uh, we we use Sabro and Mosaic, so it's kind of coming out next week. I'll I'll make sure to send you guys some. Try oh, that it out. It's, amazing, man. it's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's so cool. Like a great reason to do a great beer too. That's amazing. Um, beer and a yeah. I was just asking: was the um, the luminescence? Was it a smash? Or it was just single hop, right? I don't think it was a smash beer. Or it was. It was it single was. hop, but the malts you know, we had uh, we have a bunch of different malts in there. I mean, mostly oats and wheats and base uh, two row. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. 
Um, I mentioned this before, but I wanted to just touch on it now that sort of Nate's asking about this, which is great timing. But yeah, you guys were one of the first to do milkshake IPAs. And, and you know, I was, and Nate as well, we were obsessed with it at the time. And Milkshark was from Bellwoods was probably the the main one that was, uh, I guess, dropping regularly with different fruit variants. And you yeah. guys were like, I, I would probably, like the next one that I had heard of, and Nate was always making sure... Um, he was grabbing whatever it was. I remember there was like a blackberry one, a peach one. It was like peach and apricot or yeah. some cool comp. You guys were just even doing unique flavor combinations that uh, didn't exist. So how did, you know, what made you decide to jump on the uh, the milkshake train? I imagine oh, it's, you're both team lactose as well, which I hope so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> I knew it. I'm telling you. Yeah, you yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> So it's funny because we had a staff member who, uh, who was, uh, you know, she was uh, one of the early graduates of uh, Niagara College of Brewing. And she kind of like, we hired her, uh, you know, early on and she, she was great. And um, anyways, so she said one day we were talking just like making beer. What, what are we making? What are we going to make next week? And she said, how about we make a key lime milkshake IPA or something like that. Key lime, uh, something like that. And I was kind of looking at her. I was just thinking, what are are you talking about? And she said, yeah, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're obviously younger than us and they're in the, you know, they have the trends, the pulse of the trend, you know, they, they know what they're talking about. And we said, Oh, I got better. I better listen to her. What is she talking about? Anyways, she's tried, uh, we had tried well, Belvoir's no, no, no. milkshake. We had? No, no, no. I thought it was the next weekend we went to. Anyways, we we had tried milkshake. You're right. Yeah. Anyways, we, we tried it. And uh, what did you think at the time? Here's a story. We went, yeah, we went to Stone City Ales in, in Kingston. Kingston. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, had milkshake. Had milkshake. We, we, we had some of their beer and then bought a bottle of Belwood's mm-hmm. milkshake IPA. It was a blackberry version, and we sampled. We, we, yeah, it was it was so tasty, and and we loved it. Really, Mm -hmm. it's like a a dessert, and flavorful, and beautiful, and color was amazing. So you know, we of course loved, and then our staff talked about this key lime. Uh, Anyways, and we we talked about it more. Laura and I, we said, you know. You know, key lime is a good idea, but my I personally don't think key lime is my thing yet. So maybe we should choose another fruit. And <laughs> so we kind of, uh, it was actually, uh, Beer Garden was approaching, right? Yeah. Or was it the, anyways, I think the Beer Garden was approaching. Uh, we, we always had this bicycle beer garden in June. Uh, so we said we, we make one of those milkshake beers for beer garden and just built up a recipe and, and with, we decided to use pink guava as the fruit. And that was our very first milkshake IPA. And uh, it, it turned out really good. We loved it. And so we started different iterations of it with different fruit. Of course that we changed the hop dosage, just, you know, trying to improve the recipe as, as we go. And uh, I think we we got a really good base of it right now so that we could just basically uh, use different fruits. Of course, we've had 
bad luck sometimes with the fruits. Some, for instance, once we use a mango, we use too much of it, and uh, it was very acidic and kind of like mm. imparted a lot of bitterness in a beer. If, if I remember, it's just like not we anticipated, but just uh, that's just how it is. Sometimes you know you try it and. Um, Actually, second uh, milkshake IPA we did was a blackberry, just, you know, trying to, to imitate Bellwoods, but not really imitating. It was just like doing our own version of it, of course, because we don't, you know, we don't use certain things uh, that I, I, you know, heard that, uh, you know, yeah. So, so pectin, we actually used at some point later on, but we, we ditched it altogether just for practical reasons. Um, but um, we made a milk a blackberry and it turned out so clear. And I could not understand why that happened. It just like all these hops, all these fruit, how could it become so clear? And But it did. Yeah. So couldn't find an explanation for that. And that was our own milk, only milkshake that was clear. But uh, uh, yeah, the rest of them have been pretty hazy and awesome. How many did you do? If you recall? I imagine you've stopped doing them now. No, we actually, you still don't? we do actually are break- Yeah, we Sorry? still yeah. do them every now and then. Yeah. Um, we do them every now and then. We actually do a brewing one next week. Uh, so, oh, can nice. We, can we get yeah, a, we're, a hint on what the fruit is? Uh, you know what? We decide the fruit last minute, really. Well, like I we know. brew it and we kind of see, okay, what, what kind of fruit do we feel like to put in this one? To okay. be honest, I don't know yet. Can we yeah. come up with some ideas now? <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> I I, that would be a great help. Okay, let, let's brainstorm a bit. Um, okay. <laughs> so you guys, are, what, one thing I really appreciated about your milkshake IPAs, you were the first ones I ever had that had multiple fruits. Mo- most milkshake IPAs that I had seen, at least in Canada, were single, were single fruits for like a, yep. the vast majority. So... I appreciated that, and I feel like you know you probably got a finite um, availability of fruit puree. So there's only so many different ones. So then the real uh, wild card is the blending. So I'm just gonna throw throw some shit at the wall type of thing. Um, boysenberry. <laughs> boysenberry. Oh, sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to think of something different. Um, what do we pair it with? Here's a. Talk to me, Nate. Yeah, let's see. Nate, go. go. Oh, no, no, no. Let, let, let's talk this one out first. I've, I've, got, I've got another idea, but we should talk okay. this one out uh, first. So, okay. So, boysenberry is a red fruit, and it would probably pair well with another sort of berry, I imagine. It might be a little strange if you add some citrus or something. Um, you know, you got any of the berries. Strawberry, maybe. Um, raspberry, boring. It's great, but it's kind of boring. Blackberry. Excuse me, you've already done that, but boysenberry, blackberry, maybe. Blueberry, blackcurrant. What um, if What if you actually went in the direction of like uh, a tart stone fruit? Like what if you did boysenberry plum? Ooh, mm-hmm. Nathaniel. What kind of... Uh, that sounds good. That's radical. It is pretty radical. Like a yellow plum? Like the yeah. yellow plums? Because I know there's different types. Yellow yeah. plums. But but the other question is, and this is probably more for, for Laura and Farah, was do, do you know, are you off the, I mean, obviously you probably don't know the whole sales list, but like, are you relatively familiar with what kind of purees you can get? Because plums, 
when I've heard people use plums, I feel like, say, Bill would use them in the, uh, the grandma's boy or whatever. And I imagine they're sitting here and manually twisting a plum and taking out the seed and, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I imagine that's not part of the milkshake IPA process. Um, no, no, we, no, we have to quite. buy the puree <laughs> right. most, most of the time, yeah. Okay, so do you know if you can get a plum puree off the top of your head? I don't know off the top of my head. We can okay. ask around. Okay. So boysenberry plum, I like that. Um, That's a interesting. A interesting. Yeah. I feel like it's a little weird. It's a little out off the wall, but let's see. Nate, what was your one? Because I got another one. Uh, so the other direction I was going to go in is, have you ever made the key lime one yet? Mm. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, we haven't. No. Out of cool? respect for this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. What, you haven't done that? I wonder if you can do key no. lime, but put put um uh I, I don't know what they use to imitate the crust, but I, I think it might just be this either if you want to be zany and you chuck a couple key lime pies in the in the boil or whatever it is. Oh or, yeah. <laughs> but you could also um I think they might use like nutmeg and cinnamon, like just some of the spices, because that is enough with the oats and everything to recreate that um pie crust. Kind of like the graham cracker crushed thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it might not be your thing, so I respect that. Another idea that just to, to keep flipping, this is fun. Um, apricot is one of my favorite fruits ever, and I feel like it's underutilized in milkshakes. So have you used apricot before, before we go further? We have. Okay. We did a have, yeah. apricot peach. Peach, yeah. We oh, did perfect. one. Um, okay, never mind. Actually, we, are, we, have a, we have a wheat beer we we did it again one for one of our beer garden events, and that that was a apricot wheat beer, Koshlong, we called it, and um, we have that in the fermenter right now. With, uh, with this time, it's going to be apricot and orange combo, and the wheat beer. Yeah, so it's going to keep the name obviously, but but we just just you know we say ap- Koshlong with apricot and uh, orange, okay. so that's going to be interesting. That's a great yeah. yeah, that's a great combo. Okay, so we can move on from apricot because I just feel like that's one that most people don't do, whether it's by itself, because it's super subtle. Like peach by itself is kind of subtle, so I feel like those two fruits, and if you're eating apricot peach, it's literally, oh. I think that's a, that's a perfect combo. Okay, okay, all right. What about some Canadian stuff? So I noticed there's a um, hascat berries, I think in French it's Camarines, where they use that a lot. Now, I don't know if there's a puree, that could be interesting. Pretty because sure that, you, you know, you can get that. You know what? Almost any fruit. Well, yeah, any, talked about it, talked to us about. Yeah. yeah. Before. He's I, tried to get us on, yeah. <laughs> on that one. I think you can get that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So Hascat, and you can, you have to, from what I understand, I've never eaten one, but apparently they, they probably need to mix. It'd be like Hascat and like blueberry or something, maybe. To, to kind of weigh it out. Another one on top of that, I'm just vibing now. I'm trying to think. There's one called um, Aronia, another um, Canadian berry. I don't know if that's the French name. I've oh. seen it from beers out here. A-R-O-N-I-A. I don't know if that has a different one. No. Oh, I haven't no. heard of that, no. Okay, the other one, sorry, that wasn't even the one I was thinking of. Sea Buckthorn. The little orange. Um, have you seen that before? Uh they're like they're just like tiny, tiny orange ones, kind of like in a in a yeah. cluster. Yeah, exactly. So okay, yeah, they're, they're algozier in France. So like the, the that one is often used in like 
maybe wild beers or like those type of things. But I reckon that could be sick if you paired that with maybe like a an orange or some oh, other right. citrus for a little bit of Canadiana twist coming up to July first. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's, oh, that's, that's a good idea. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. keeping it Canadian. Keeping it Canadian. Oh, no. Any other yeah, any other thoughts? I like that. Uh, Nate, I, I, I'm so simple. I we did like, a, a strawberry rhubarb for. Oh yeah, um, we did it once for around oh, Canada that one Day. That was one good. Night. I really liked that one. That one was yeah, really good. Yeah, it was pretty good, fun. Yeah. yeah, that was actually our yeah. team had suggested that as well because it was like a like the quintessential Canada Day yeah. food, right? Strawberry rhubarb pie yeah. or whatever. Yep. So. I'll tell you something yeah, that, 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 that like that's a real great. treat is the uh, like is a couple of times um, that, like like when you guys have had the party shortly shortly after a milkshake IPA release is when uh, like is when you're pouring that on nitro in the brewery oh Ooh. that is oh, something yeah. special <laughs> yeah <laughs> we love that too yeah it's, it's a lot I of think fun. the strawberry rhubarb was actually the like was one that I had on nitro that was probably that was probably the first time I tried that a milkshake, a milkshake IPA on nitro I think it was the strawberry rhubarb that sounds spectacular yeah, oh it makes it so that. creamy it's so good that way you know? oh it does oh my god <laughs> we don't need nitro nitro at home um I wonder if there's any other ideas we could throw at you and just let it sit so you said you prefer you prefer simpler things you were saying, or you the ideas that you? Oh, no, I was gonna say I'm I'm simple. I'm a simple guy, and we just like say, you know, how about we do the guava again? Like it's just kind of like okay. And Laura always says, no, we got to do something. <laughs> That's why you need a you need a good partner next year to stop you from doing absolutely. Things. She 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 keeps main checking. She knows. To be fair, though, what's right? <laughs> no, that's exactly it. But to be fair, guava the guava puree is probably like the best of all the purees it's just exceptional so i wonder it's so good have you done a, a guava and something else variant before i don't think so no, no. okay so let's don't let's, remember no okay so then what goes well with pink guava i want like hmm. pi- pineapple hmm. pineapple would go that might well, do i think know. yeah that might be a bit acidic. I, w- I, I would have thought. Too many something to offset yeah. the acidity. Good point. Yeah, I, like, like my, my first, uh, my first inclination, I think, would be like guava mango, maybe. Ooh, that's Ooh. a good one. Yeah. I was thinking that too. I was thinking guava. Guava mango, mango would be nice too. Yeah. 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 Get a, yeah, that sounds kind great. of really tropical. Mango. Yeah. That sounds like a strong sweet. contender. Yeah, yeah, and mango would yeah. bring down the acidity like- of the guava. Your musical genius. Musical. All right. Looks like we. Looks like we know the fruits for the next milkshake IPA. Job done. Job done. Bam! There we go, guys. Look at us go. Thank you. Yeah, that's fun. This is like this is it's so cool. Like the the fruit combinations and the the whole the, the, the purees just so they're oh, so yeah. great. They allow um, you know, allow you sort of damn near unlimited um, creativity with coming up with just fun stuff. It's, I love it. It's great. And I feel like a lot of the interesting thing about milkshake IPAs, they typically have been, the only ones I've seen that are crazy creative are like Tired Hands, like the guys who invented it. They, like when I was there, they did like a margarita one. I guess it was like lime and salt and stuff like that. And they have kind of nice, super weird flavors that I hadn't seen. But typically milkshake IPAs had been pretty straight up and down, um, which is why I guess the key lime one is interesting if you do something to recreate the – the, the crust um yeah but for sure 
but then two two fruits i think is still fascinating it doesn't have to be some sort of like black forest cake with chick ipa or something crazy like that <laughs> <laughs> which could maybe work sounds good though <laughs> yeah it does sound it does good. sound good yeah the milkshakes are, are an interesting one um did we want to shove on to the how we all go real sucker i mean like a simple two left but we, we could cruise i'm almost done yeah almost done yeah we can move, move we, on we can, which uh which well, i'm definitely gonna finish this bad boy because this was out of control um what's the vibes uh for the next one guys what are you feeling yeah what are we thinking how about we do on the lamb uh basically go yep. through all the any ipas and then go switch switch flavors switch it up here for it I like it. Let's do it. I love it. And this one, um, I had Nate hooking up with this like a a long time ago. Was it, I mean, coming back to it, this was, was this one always um, super hazy and juicy? So, uh, it was very, I should say, juicy. Not necessarily as hazy as these days. Um, we were using a different yeast to, to start Vermont yeast. Okay. And uh, um, it was a good yeast. Uh, I liked it, but I just found uh, foggy London a little bit work better with this beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of like tried a batch of foggy London and then compared and we really liked this one better um so we just kind of like switched it completely okay and um, the hop the hop additions the hops are uh, mosaic citra and eldorado and we just kind of throughout every batch we we used to play around with how much of what and when and all that stuff and eventually we landed on something that we're very comfortable with uh, and we like it the way it is and you know Okay. Every now and then we might just throw some more hops in the dry hop, but um, otherwise it's just like kind of kind of the same. We're doing this thing, okay? Amazing. And it's it's one of those beers that we kind of like to bring back quite a bit. Uh, we we wanted to make it like a mainstay, but this just like we simply don't have the capacity to do that. But right, we brew it as much as we can. Oh, that smells amazing. Um, mosaic. Oh, mosaic citra. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, classic combo. Oh, you can't ever go wrong. Why? Um, why is this one not able to be done more regularly? Is it just because it's, it's too expensive parts, or is it just takes a lot? No, so we just don't have the room to. To be honest, like we we like to do a lot of new beers, a lot of one-offs, more of, like, um, and we have a bunch of different beers that are kind of kind of regular like i mean obviously the velocipede is always there um frequency we try to do very regularly because those two are in the ottawa lcbos and so we kind of keep them around pretty regularly and velocipede is quite honestly the beer that we sell the most even out of the brewery right um but um then we have songbird which is our pale ale that's quite simple like the simplest pale ale that we make with Cascade hops from Quebec, and uh, it's a it's a fun, easy drinking beer. Uh, definitely, we have to keep it around for the most part, um, because we don't do pilsner. So that's our it's kind of like an easy drinking ale that uh, introduces mm-hmm. the lighter. 
Gotcha. Um, and then we, as I mentioned, we do a lot of different beers like weekly, every two weeks or something. So it's hard to keep up uh, the same, 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 some, same, some beers pretty regularly. I'd say makes complete sense. No, I love it. Yeah. Uh, this looks amazing, guys. Cheers, get in there. Cheers. 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 Oh, wicked nose. Cheers. Mm. Glorious. You've really, um, the, the mouthfeel of all of these, genuinely fantastic. Just so creamy. Um, I'm getting in this one. Thanks, man. It's like that nice dryness, like Nate was talking about earlier, just that it makes you want to come back for another sip. I'm getting more hot burn in this one. I just love the hot burn. A lot of people don't like it. And, well, oh, yeah. I love the hot burn. I think it's so, I don't know why. It just makes uh, it I love hot burn. I love hot burn to a certain degree for sure. I do. Yeah. There is like a it. I like the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, I know, you know, some people don't like it as much. Uh, some do. So it's kind of like a matter of preference. Definitely. I think someone told me technically it's a flaw as far as the BJCP goes, but I would say like half of New England IPAs have it intentionally. Anyway. So whatever. It's, it's, it's like you said, preference. I think it is. <laughs> of course, it, the, the, you know this is a pretty fresh batch as well. Like we just, I uh, just canned it five days ago, so oh, wow. or something yeah, like that. So it's very fresh. If, yeah, and so if you you know come back to it in a week or two, it's definitely mellowed out. Hot burn probably non-existent anymore. Good point. It just kind of goes away after a little bit. So mm. I feel like they, but, um, but I like it super fresh. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I feel that they keep it. The hot burn like keeps it, keeps them from turning or dropping. Is probably the word. Sorry, long. I feel like the beers with hot. Well, it's what, it, like it, it. It's one of those things of like it, it's very common when uh, like when heavily hopped beers are uh, like are had very fresh, and then. Um, I don't know if it's so much that it, like that it keeps them fresher, but it's one of those things of. You don't necessarily have to have it like in the first like in the first week to be drinking it at peak freshness. It's one of those things of if it's a bit green, uh, like you know within like within the first four or five days. If you're coming to it at like at like a week, ten days, even like even two weeks afterwards, like that, like you know you're still having like a good, really fresh tasting IPA at that point. Like it make, it makes it so that you're not uh, you know. It's not like it's not completely fallen off if it's been in your fridge for a week, which like which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, definitely. I, I've got a so I've got I've got some questions about on the lamb because I'm thinking back to uh, when you guys for, like when you guys first released it, and I remember the first time I had it was uh, was in a growler, and I also remember I think maybe it was the second time you released it. I remember. The canning release of it be, like being a bit of a big deal because um, that was around the time where I think maybe only Velocipede was in cans or maybe there was one, I mean, maybe there was one other but uh, like but I remember it being an unusual thing that on the lamb was um, like was coming out in cans um, and if I remember right too like I know you mentioned uh, Trillium already that one like that one being kind of a like a more of a typical american ale yeast uh, like was on the lamb the first kind of like big haze bomb that yeah like that you guys did am i remembering that right you're right absolutely that's uh that that's the first beer that we did with uh yeast that would 
lend a, the helping hand for making it hazy and kind of like accentuate the hop flavor. And yeah, um, that's true. You're right. So funny story, like a, a true on the lamb was actually our uh, a session ale that we did on the first year anniversary. And we did a, we, we threw a party at Ottawa jail for our first year anniversary. And so, you know, because of the jail theme, we kind of came up with the name on the lamb for a beer. And it was, it was a session at 4.5% or something like that. And uh, it was very cool because uh, it, it was a tasty beer. We still use some mosaic and citronette and lighter, um, still American yeast, clean American yeast. Um, and then Laura came up with this design on a poster that was really awesome. It was, uh, it was just a pair of glasses and a mustache. So the person was not visible. It's just the glasses and mustache in a gray background, right? Was it gray? Yeah. yeah. It was so cool. It's like a, the guy's on the lamb. Um, so, you know, we did that beer. And then when later on, we kind of made this beer, uh, the hazy version of uh, what we were looking for. We love the name so much. We just say, you know what? Let's forget that we ever had an on the lamb that way. <laughs> this is on the lamb. Yeah. So that's <laughs> so kind of recycled the name. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that was just there one of those moments. No, that's awesome. Um, I actually wanted that's to cool. touch on that. So I, we never actually got to what you both – I mean, obviously, in a small business, everyone does everything. But being that you were both brewers, you know, you were both home brewers and then it led to this, were, have – are you – were you um, – both brewing in the brewery and, and you just mentioned there, Laura, you did the designs. Are you doing all the designs? Like talk us through what you both are doing and also who is responsible for all the can design as well. That's so our, um, we have a really great uh, graphic designer. Um, there it's a uh, character creative. They're in Ottawa. Um, and uh, Jamie does all of our designs for us. Um, so he kind of, he kind of, came on board um, when we redid our logo. So okay. uh, I can't remember what year that was. Maybe two 20, years ago? 2017, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, we did a little bit of a redesign with our logo. We were having some difficulties printing mostly our, our, our previous logo. So, um, so we kind of hooked up with Jamie. And, um, and so he does all of our designs now. Um, and we love so them. So consistent. <laughs> They're fantastic. Yeah, it's like, awesome. So the brand across the board is just so consistent. It's it's fantastic. Thanks. Oh, they, they, thanks. Do, they do yeah. a great job for sure. Yeah, they're yeah. yeah, they're great. They're they're so good and fun to work with. Um yeah, so I kind of when we first started, of course, I was you know, we were trying to make our labels and uh design our website. It was just we neither of us had time for it and but also the experience um to make it uh really what we wanted. Uh but but with the tight budget and getting started, we we just did what we could, I guess, yeah. with Canva and, <laughs> and any other kind Canva's of. the best. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so we got by with that for a little bit, but um, but really, when Jamie came on, that was when we were able to sort of make things more consistent and uh, sort of get uh, get everything a little more where we wanted them to be. 
Okay. Absolutely. And from yeah. the beginning, were you both brewing before you had a team? Like, how did that division of labor go? Yeah. So it was uh, it was both of us. So it's funny because I I uh, I was mostly at the brewery during the day, and then Laura would go to work her day job and she would come to the brewery after her work. <laughs> Actually, we just had one car. So I would go pick her up and it was so funny because like sometimes I was whirlpooling and I had just enough time to go pick her up and come back before doing a stand and I could transfer. And if she was late, it would screw up the pier. <laughs> oh, no. So I would just like run. And she was always there to get in the car. We would go back to the brewery. I finished the brewing, for instance. And Laura was standing there with a drill, crushing the batch for tomorrow's brew. And we had this barley crusher the homebrewers use. We had a drill. That was our yeah. mill. That was how we crushed the like, I don't know, 200 kilograms of grain from one batch. It was so funny. Um, yeah, so, but, but yeah, and then once she quit, then she was there at the brewery most, most, yeah, all the time. And we were there every day for the, was it for the first four years that we did not go anywhere? It's just like every day at the brewery for long hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, sometimes more. If it was a festival, we would haul everything out there and do the festival, come back. Uh, that couch, we just order pizza, we just eat the pizza there, and we didn't, you know, we couldn't move after. It was so funny. But, but yeah, uh, so it was just the two of us. And then after a little bit, we hired help for, you know, filling the growlers, you know, some washing growlers. Growlers, washing them was just a hard work and a lot of work. I think when we when we expanded our team a little bit in the within the first year, um, really sort of fell into like a natural rhythm of um, yeah. of sharing the brewing, sharing the front of house. But um, but then I, I kind of took on more of the the front of house responsibilities, I guess, and um, while still brewing and very Wars handed everything production side. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it was kind of a bit of... That's exactly. And then, okay, so at this point, being that now I imagine there's like a, a full team of front of house, back of house people and stuff. Even when I was there, there was a, there was a bunch of people. Uh, this would have been like probably 2019 or something like that. Um, what does it sort of look like for you guys now? Is it more managerial? Is it writing recipes? Like what's the sort of... What does that look like? You know, how many years? It's definitely... So, so mostly, mostly coming up with recipes, you know, production management, uh, a little bit of that, a uh, little bit of administration, a little bit of uh, kind of sale. We're really not doing any sale per se anymore. It's just mostly the customers we had, and there's mostly uh, end users or customers that come to the brewery or, or you know, purchase our beer. So, in that sense, and you know, we we are in all almost all the LCBOs in Ottawa with two different beers, but it's mostly velocity. The frequency we just uh, maybe do a flat a week or something like that for each for each, each location. Some uh, grocery stores. So, anyways, basically, what I'm saying is like there's not much of a sale happening for us 
at this point, we're kind of like a we're kind of at the point that we th- we think we need uh, some more production facility uh, in terms of like brew house fermentation space. I don't think we can push our brew house any more than this right now, really. For so, li- I, I think our next step would be a, a bigger brew house. Um, and so, yeah, we have a great team of staff, and they're they're amazing. They are passionate about what they do. They love what they do. And uh, I think, uh, you know, they're great help for us. Uh, absolutely. And uh, we, uh, we love having them there, every single one of them. And uh, I think what, uh, what happened was, you know, when the pandemic started, I just really wanted to avoid talking about this thing, but just like it's, it's there, right? No, so we got to talk to them. When we, yeah, we, if we start, when we, when it started, we, we just put, Put a hold on any planning, any working we wanted to do for the future of the brewery, okay. just to survive. And that's because, like, it was funny. We have a young boy at the time, and Laura was pregnant, and uh, we would sit in the car sometimes in the weekends, and we would deliver beer in addition to the two drivers that were working for us. So it's like that's how busy was the delivery in Ottawa, and which was amazing. I mean, we appreciate all the support we got and we were fortunate enough to be operating throughout the time that a lot of people uh you know lost their job and we just feel for them and we but it it was important for us to be able to keep our staff uh, busy working so that we didn't have to lay them off and that's you know that's that was important for us and and we we were we were lucky to be able to do that we had a bit of a kind of had to rejig the staff around Absolutely. a little bit um, when that happened. So, so people sort of fell into different roles, yeah. but um, yeah. but we were able to keep them all on. Absolutely. And we even hired a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but yeah, so, so nothing really happened in, in, for, in the, for, in, uh, you know, in the in expansion side. So now we're kind of sitting and thinking about it and planning for it. And so hopefully soon, I don't know when, that's uh, that makes sense, and I you know I guess that was probably you know, the, the same similar situation for a lot of breweries where it was more about survival than growth for the last year and a bit, and just to keep it going. And Absolutely. I love to hear that about the the customers keep, and I feel like that's been a very similar story from the last fifteen months or whatever it's been of doing the virtual Absolutely. podcast and talking to breweries, and it seems to be a pretty consistent story where. You know, people really uh, like breweries are such an important part of our community, and the last thing anybody wants is for this thing to be over slash managed and uh, breweries going. So I think that you know that lack of whatever people were spending before on transit and travel, you know, throwing it right to breweries because you know what else are you going to do when you're stuck at home? I, I like that you know it's, it's kept it these community hubs because that's what really breweries are. It's, like, it's where people meet and congregate and. and Based on exactly what Nate was talking about, that really summed up what you guys you know, have really fostered in Ottawa. And it's uh, amazing. From the early days, one of four or whatever it was back in the day. So that's super cool. Then the next... And Ottawa is such a... And uh, like, and, and Ottawa is it like is such a great community that, 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 like, that really that's turns cool. up for its beer scene, I think. Like... Mm-hmm. like they're, they're like it's a community that really wants their breweries to do well. I find, um, and uh, that, like, and, and what you've just described, that, that like really shows that with how, that, that, like you know, with um, 
with how many like with how many deliveries you guys like you guys were doing um, uh, like when when that's kind of one of the only options to get beer to your customers and whatnot and it's man it's so great to hear that you guys were like that you guys were able to keep your staff um, employed and uh, like and working and even like bring on a couple um, when we were when we were chatting with uh, Josh and Scott at Dominion City uh, back, uh, like back in March they like they told a very similar story it was you know. Uh, like everyone was working, they weren't necessarily doing the jobs they were hired for, but uh, like, but uh, like they were still able to be uh, like getting their paychecks. So it's it, like it's great to hear that you guys uh, were able to do the same for your staff. Absolutely, it's mm-hmm. just uh, it's just people are amazing. It's hard. Like I don't know how else to say it. It's we we really appreciate it for sure. Yeah, it's it's so cool. So then the expansion. So would that mean that you guys would? I know it's a super preliminary, but would you be looking to just sort of have like a whole other facility that's just production or is there a way to expand the existing? Uh, so those are all the stuff that we're just all the avenues that we're exploring. Now, really. Okay. It's hard to say at this point, but we're looking at all of that. To see what it is. Okay. Yeah. Our current location is, is pretty tight right yeah. now. Um, we've got it. Pretty full in there, so we definitely need more physical space. Um, okay. uh, sort of depends on you know what comes available, I guess, at this point. Gotcha. I mean, like, I guess one other option which probably wouldn't be optimal would be like contracting out some of the larger stuff, but then you would lose that control, which I imagine is is quite important to you. That's that's one thing we we have talked about uh, that we probably would never do. Yeah, it's a contract. It's not not that it's there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of breweries do it, and and that's fine too. And but we we just like to have everything done at our brewery, um, yeah. and that was the the reason why we we didn't have much money. We just bought a manual canning machine from Cask with two header. We just push the buttons, you know, kind of like we just wanted to do everything ourselves. Right. And uh, so, yeah. Anyways, um, I think uh, I think we're, we'll work on some some interesting plans for sure. Yeah. Okay. And what would be without? I'm not trying to get too deep into it, but like, were you? What would be? Would you be looking to do? Would that be to sort of expand to to LCBOs across the, the province? Um, like, what does what does the expansion look like? I guess just maybe because a lot of people don't even really know what you know what that could mean. Cause I always love whenever I come to Ottawa and I go to the one, I think it's on bank street, the big one. And I'm like, Oh yeah. It's full of local beer. And I'm like, wow. I'm whenever I'm in Toronto, like I can't get any stuff. This is amazing. It's just super cool to, to see that. It seems like what Ottawa compared to say other, other towns from what I've seen, I've been you know, really representing for, for the local brewery. So for expansion, yeah. What were you guys sort of thinking? Um, so, so obviously our, I think our focus is mostly to to get direct customers, selling direct to people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Like hopefully, once everything can open up a little bit easier, then we we have a tap room back open. So that's our goal to bring more people in the tap room. Okay. And also, I don't think home delivery is going to go away. No. I think it's something, it's like an interesting thing that happened, and um, people like it and. But we like it, so it's kind of like I think we're going to continue that. Um, 
LCPO is obviously an, an avenue, uh, you know, we have two brands in the LCBO. I don't know if we're going to increase that number. Right now, we're just in Ottawa. Um, we are actually starting next week. We're going to seven of the beer store locations as well with Velocipede. Yes. And that's just because uh, that option exists. Like, we, you know, they, they have this deal that for microbreweries uh, in Ontario can go into seven uh, beer stores without paying the basically the store listing fees. So kind of like exorbitant. it's a one-time payment, but still that's like a, something we don't have to pay, which we're going to yeah. take advantage of. Oh yeah. Because we, we, you know, logistics of sending beer out of Ottawa is, uh, is not that easy. It's like, you know, it's very expensive to do that. And mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. we, you know, that expense can be, you know, saved even somewhat if you go to LCV or beer store because, uh, you know, if you compare the, the cost of sending stuff out of the Ottawa, it's probably cheaper to be in Ottawa in LCV or beer stores and then then branch out to other locations. Right. Uh, so, so you know, we, we're working with the uh, different ideas. We're just talking pretty much nonstop every day <laughs> about it. And uh, obviously, it's not just talk, you know, we have to you know, put some number down to paper and figure this things out. Um, so, yeah, the, the expansion would be to produce more beer. So there's a lot of beers that we make and we sell out of them quicker mm-hmm. than we hoped. We, you know, we like to have a bunch of options, selections for people. And, you know, we don't want to make some beer and just like two weeks later, it's all gone. Sometimes it's three weeks, but that's, you know, it's a, good it, it's a good thing. At the same yeah. time, we like to have a little bit more of it. Yeah, I understand. And that's when it probably comes into more like, it's almost like it's better to get that second space or whatever that solution, excuse me, is before trying to do anything super crazy and, and, and get stuff out of the same Exactly. You are right. There's a lot of this transport costs and marketing costs. You have to have sales reps out there pounding the pavement. Um, Absolutely. You know, right now we do deliver to everything we deliver ourselves. So our this our, our drivers that go out deliver uh, LCBO next week, some beer store, uh, some grocery store locations. So so when we do deliver ourselves, it's it's very regular. So we have like weekly deliveries to all the LCBO. So the beer is relatively fresh. fresh right. Uh, it, you know, so that's important to us. Now, if we go out the go out of town, I don't think we have the ability to deliver directly. So we have to find some other third-party solution. Uh, I don't know how that's going to look like. So that's yeah. why one of the reasons we just like focus in Ottawa for now. I totally get that. Yeah, I don't think isn't there like a? Um, I was speaking to Leftfield a few years back on, on the podcast, and they were explaining how they do it, and uh, they were saying that. They, there's two different paths to working with the LCBO. There's one where you deliver and there's one where you go through their warehousing system. And if right. you deliver it, please correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe that if um, uh, that, that you're able to maybe dictate the terms a little bit more because maybe they'll order too much. And then you'll see, and if they're not moving through it, particularly a, a beer like this or frequency or velocity that are all IPAs that are, you know, 
temperature sensitive and also time sensitive products. You know, they have a finite uh, shelf life there. Um, sometimes the LCBOs, as we all know, I've gone into whenever I go to. Funnily enough, I keep all the because Quebec is a pain in the ass. I keep all the empties and I take them to Hawkesbury, Ontario, like halfway to Ottawa, okay. to take them back. <laughs> right. Obviously, the board has yeah. been closed for a while. And last time I was there, this dude comes up to me. I was counting the cans. And I had to be like, "Yo, stop, stop! Let me just rack down how many." And he was like, "Yeah, if you go to a depreneur, they give you the big bags, and you can just put them all in a bag." And I'm like, "Yo." It gave me an idea. So now on my balcony, I've got all of these trash bags full of 100 cans perfectly in each bag and stuff ready. I've probably got $100, 150 worth of stuff. I'm just waiting for the border to open so I can come back and take them back. <laughs> I, it's, I, I can't help it. I'm a tight ass about it now. I'm just like, I, it just makes me, why would I just put them downstairs? In the, I'm in an apartment, like in the bin. Why would I do that to recycle it? You can get money for it. Come on. Um, <laughs> what? I got lost in what I was talking about. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we're talking yeah. about so, the LCBO. The control. LCBO. Yes, I don't know how I got that tangent. You know how it goes. So yeah, at least it gives you control over it, and that you're able to like you know if you deliver weekly, and if all of a sudden they like add an extra couple of cases, like well, why are you adding extra cases? Are you selling more of them? If you're not, well, I won't sell them to you because they will they might go off, and then people will have a bad experience. Um, in an LCBO. And that's what I was saying. I noticed in the Hawkesbury one, because around the corner from the beer store is the LCBO. So I always go by, I'm seeing like IPAs that are six to eight months old. In there. And I can imagine. Yeah, that's... yeah. It makes me wonder, like, I don't know if I always do it, but I sometimes I'm, if I know the brewery and I know them personally, I'll take a photo and go, yo, like probably going to need to talk to these guys. And I imagine that's the worst case scenario for, um, Brewery seeing old beer in LCBO. So you do need those, point being, you need the humans on the ground in those regions. So if you expand to Toronto, you're probably going to need at least one full time salesperson going around to LCBOs, making sure they're good, knocking on the doors, Absolutely. doing the sampling, all of that stuff, right? Absolutely. Just yeah. that's a good example. You just be on top of a, what is going through their store versus what they're ordering. It's, it's an important one for sure. Yeah, and um, like another thing with the Ottawa LCBOs, like Craig, you mentioned that uh, like it's a it's a thing here that you can go into an Ottawa LCBO and see shelves full of Ottawa craft beer, uh, like that you don't uh, like that you don't sometimes see in uh, like in other towns and. Farbors and Laurie, like like you probably know, um, like the beer manager at say like the. the Innis Road LC, uh, like the the big Innis Road LCBO, uh, the, the, like they've got Absolutely. like the huge beer selection that they like that they've got there, and so much from uh, like from the region here. Like they've definitely got Velocipede and uh, like and frequency there, but you also see stuff from uh, like you know you'll see stuff from Castle there, uh, like like you'll Absolutely. see stuff from uh, like from, from the west end of Ottawa. Um, they, it, it's one of those things of like you can tell when the beer manager at an LCBO. Can Cares about uh, like about their product. Like they, they're not going to be oh. one of the ones that are having um, like, like eight eight week old IPAs on like on the unrefrigerated shelves. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's 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 true. And uh, you know, a lot of uh, cool things they do. Some like put some of them. We used to put put a tag on the by beside the beer label and would say distance to the brewery like this many kilometers, which is super cool. You know, it's just like. 
That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like the one in train yards is not even a kilometer. Like it's just like what is eight hundred meters or something. (laughs) I know the yes, down the street, literally. Yeah, you just keep going down your street because I went right past it. I think you actually told me, "Yo, yo, that LCO is really good." I remember. Yeah, it's a great LCO. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. See, it just shows how much they care. How much they care. Some of these managers are really, really good about it. I think that's important, and and it's cool to see LCBO. I mean, like. It's almost like when you think about it, LCBO is a, it's essentially a government department. And to see people care in government, particularly Laura, you were probably more than anybody, I feel like it's uh, you know few and far between. So it's really cool to see the ones that understand it and if there still has the, you know, obviously we've all been to LCBOs always, but whenever I'm extra picky now and when we go to Toronto, well, when we used to go to Toronto, um, Tiffany's mother lives just outside of Toronto, North York, and we go to her nearest store. And it infuriated me when I see there the, just a hole outside of the refrigerated shelf. And it's just all the New England. It's just all just in the stale air. And I'm just like, all of these breweries are going to be furious. This is so unacceptable. And people are buying these beers that aren't going to be optimal. And it's it's just like it, it, it further reinforces the, the value of the great uh, beer managers who understand what beer needs, particularly if you're looking at Coors Light in the fridge and then you're seeing – frequency on the shelf it's it's not the same, oh, you know yeah. what i mean it's like it's, it's true yeah for sure. it makes me genuinely angry i don't know i hate i hate seeing it it's, i just i just want to walk out of the store now so i'm abiding i'm out of here like, <laughs> yeah. and it's just because it shows a disrespect and, and a lack of understanding for the beer and for the hard-working companies behind it the vast majority of craft breweries are just exactly like you a couple of people whether it's a you know they're life partners or just friends that have got this brewery and they put, you know, I'm a, I have my own business. I have employees. I, I very much relate. Obviously you have so many more pressures than I do, but I, I just, I respect it so much and I don't like seeing the product not being treated with that respect that it needs to be because if you, if they damage it, it's unrecoverable and that affects somebody at the end of the day. You know? and it's, it's really hard to yeah. repair that. Um, if someone has a bad, particularly with beer folks, that they could be a little, What's the word? Entitled sometimes. And, you know, purchase something. And then the, instead of just being like quietly message you on a DM, hey, guys, I purchased this from the LCBO, Ford Brown. I think it might have been old or something. But they'll post it publicly. Be like, this beer was terrible. And they'll tag the brewery and, and like, whatever. <laughs> and like, why are you doing that? It's not helping anybody. So I just feel like there's there's more responsibility on on. The, distrib- the distribution arm then maybe they even potentially realize because a lot of these folk they're obviously working for the government and maybe not really understanding so yeah long-winded way of saying i like the guy the ones that are good really appreciate it. yeah absolutely they're they're a gem they're the good ones for sure yeah it's cool well that's that's awesome i hope you guys are able to, to figure out that uh expansion situation because that is fun because now that things are opening up again i guess that's probably the flip side of the other conversation so now that things are opening up excuse my ontario ignorance i've heard some like i know things there have been contentious with uh uncle doug um what's the what's what's the i think you guys now are patio open is that correct it is since basically 12 a.m today yeah oh okay yep just today so it's like basically Friday uh, was the patios were open. Some 
some of them were open from 12 to 2 p.m. Uh, just for the sake of being open. It's kind of like a, it's a cool thing. Yeah. Just two hours of quick opening. Two hours, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did you guys open Anna. today? No, no, we didn't open it. We, we're going we're gonna to hold off for a bit because, okay. uh, you know, it's been a couple of times that they, they open and close and open <laughs> and close. So I've heard. Kind of we, yeah. And, and I feel really bad for the restaurant owners that have to deal with that because it's hard. You, you order beer, you order food, and you bring staff in, you're ready to go. A couple of weeks later, they say, let's close. So hopefully, this is not going to happen again. And um, yeah, but we're going to wait for the, the right time. So when everything is open, then we'll all open as well. Um, okay. But all meantime, right. we're busy packaging beer for the, for our accounts. So all these restaurants opening like last minute, they just put an order, a lot of orders. So we have to make it, make it happen. So we're, awesome. we're, ho- we're happy about it. Yeah. We're happy for them. And uh, hopefully I'll go forever. I was going to respect on- that. I was going to touch on that actually because that's something that uh, sort of Nate casually kind of like. I feel like it was, I think it was you, Nate, where you were telling me a, a month or two ago that Ontario passed the law. I feel like it was just uncelebrated, but passed the law that people can open independent bottle shops. And it kind of just like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. It's another thing. But I'm just like, this is like a, a war that you guys have been fighting for forever. And all of a sudden, people. Yeah. You're allowed to open as long as you have like a packet of chips, essentially. Like, oh yeah. So, so I think there's certain license you gotta have. Uh, I I haven't looked into it, but I think if you have a restaurant license or like a tide house license, where you can buy beer or like other products from other uh, manufacturers, wine, beer, cider, whatever, yeah. and you can sell it to go as long as you have food. And food can be just well. chips, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Food is, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> you can eat, yeah. And this is, yeah, and 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 this is something that we'll probably get uh, like get into in a lot more detail next week when we talk to Bart Lupulus. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's the pandemic has done some like has done some very strange things and uh, like on uh, like and weirdly some of them positive to the uh, uh the, 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 like to some aspects of the uh, like of the industry and uh, like that's i think is certainly going to be one of them like like and, and they've already said that that's going to be around to stay um where uh, like where rest, uh, like and it's a great thing for restaurants like uh like bar lupulus or like uh, like citizen in town or, or corner peach or any like or any of these other places that are now able to um like to sell uh, like beer to go and whatnot but even like you guys have uh, like have mentioned um like the things that you started that that you don't think are going to go away like lo- like local delivery um that's one of those things that wasn't Absolutely. really around before, like before the pandemic, but it's one of those things that seems to work really great. And if it's uh, like, you know, if it's a way that you can get uh, like beer in your, like in your customer's hands, why would you stop? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's that those are the positives of it. I, I, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to actually ask on, on that note, then have you had much, um, many orders from, you know, whether it's from within Ottawa or out of town. Now that there's these pop-up independent bottle shops, I know there's restaurants that have turned, so both restaurants and indie bottle shops, like, have they become 
Yeah, have you received any like orders from different places that that maybe you hadn't prior? So we have had some contacts. You know, we definitely in Ottawa, the all the restaurants who you know knew of us or had had our products. That a lot of them ordered cans, obviously, to be able to sell uh, to go with their food. Awesome. But there's a lot of you know uh, here and there bottle shops like. I give a, a Foley Brewery shout out to them, and they they bought some beer from us a couple of weeks ago to sure. include in their packages that they sell to to their customers. So kind of like that stuff is happening, yeah, for sure. And it's a great thing. I mean, the more the better. Yeah, I feel like it's like the way forward. creates variety. You know, creates variety. Customers Absolutely. from all different cities can can try different beers, and it's just just fun. Why not? Right you now. Just enjoy life. Yeah, man. I love it. And it's something I've been a little bit jealous of, uh, Nate, because I know there's a bunch of different places in, in Ottawa, like that Nate already mentioned. I know Dominion City kind of kicked it off with the roof, the Friends of Dominion thing, and they were just bringing in beers from out of town. And, and yeah. when at first, I believe it was like a not selfish option, but just a way to satisfy the needs because they were like, shit, we're out of beer. This is one way that, hey, we're just going to buy beer from and, and wine and cider, as you mentioned, from other places. So I like that yeah. that you know that you've been able to do that, and, and some you know someone like Nate who might not, or you get stuff from Willowbold and maybe Barncat and like different breweries. Or Third Moon, or great great example, right like on. straight out of town that have been selling it. So it's it's super cool for the. I was even just thinking, just from a consumer point, to be able to be living in downtown Toronto and go to one of these stores and then have stuff that's like not the LCBO stuff, but just like you, they could buy the fresh on the lamb straight from the store alongside a whole bunch of other fantastic products and get a little packet of chips for the law, you know, like whatever it is. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. because we've been who doing, doesn't like chips? Who doesn't like chips? I've got a, a little bowl right here just to keep the palate cleansed. Right on. And not mess <laughs> there with you us. go. There you right? go. I see you're yep. a pro there. Well, that's what we were. That's why I was late. We had to do a shoot for uh, Tiffany has a, a wine and spirits uh, platform, liquid X happiness. Um, follow her on Instagram. So we, she got a bunch of sponsored posts. Plug, they all plug, came plug. At, plug, plug, plug. They all came at one time. It's been such a week. All of these posts, we had to do these crazy things. So there's it's a, some special Spanish wine day today. Verdejo, I think it is, is how you say it. So we had they, they sent all this Spanish food, and we had to actually cook it in these vacuum-sealed things, cook the food, and then pair it with the wines. And we had to, she had to post, like it was a sponsored post, so we had to do it today. It was a whole thing. So I got the chips. At least. That's awesome. Um, food was great. <laughs> awesome. But no, I, I just like the idea of that. I think it's so cool because here in Quebec, I've been, I was in Toronto for the first couple of years and I moved to Montreal in 2012. And, you know, the specialty beer stores here, you're almost taken for granted because sometimes you can walk in, you can buy incredible cheese from all over the world and, and cured meats and um, alongside, you know, cider, uh, wine, some wine and, um, and craft beer from all over the province. And it's like such a wonderful experience to go into those stores and be able to, to get some really cool stuff. And every store is different. They have their own relationships with different, different places. Um, so it was really made me happy because the LCBO, it's fun for me not living there anymore and being able to go through. But I think that like, I'm, I'm excited to get back and check out some of these independent bottle shops. And I'd love to be able to walk in if I'm in Toronto and see stuff from Ottawa and from London Barry and Kingston or whatever. Like, I just think that's like a, it's what the consumer really kind of deserves at the end of the day. And I think all it does is serve 
it serves the industry in, in a super positive Absolutely. way. Yeah. So I really I hope that, that that picks up for you guys and and that as time goes on and these things become not only just the norm but hopefully almost the majority of whether people continue to, to purchase beer that they're able to do that yeah. and it's like a, a great additional like really what it is it's additional revenue stream that didn't exist pre-COVID yeah that's true yeah that's true and then you'll get the new the that's, old ones back again because the old now people coming in whether it's patio and then they open indoor you're going to be back to the drafts again obviously the better profit margins but then you're still going to be able to you know throw out a line and secure those new consumers from these other places it's just like I don't know. It's a nice side effect of an essentially terrible time for humanity, <laughs> I guess. I think so, yeah. yeah. Well put, yeah. Is it time to crack open another? Mate, I'm ready. I'm not yeah, scared. Yeah, sure. What are we opening next? Laura's in charge. Um, <laughs> Laura is in charge for sure. I'm not, well, do you want to open Willow, Willow I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do Willow. Do Let's Laura's do it. Babe. Let's do it. West Coast time. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Time for a West Coast. So West Coast is such a, a cool thing. Obviously, it's what we all got into, you know, like IPAs via back in the time when it was. Um, Thank you. Uh, back in the time when it was, you know, uh, the IBU race and tongue burning um, bitterness yeah. and stuff like that. And, and exactly, Laurie, you explained it really well. It's just like it's one of those things where it's like now it's like – when you do get a West Coast IP, you're like, God damn, this is fantastic. Like, because you, you so, you know, we just had three hazy IPAs in a row. These are glorious. I am enjoying myself so thoroughly. I've been very much looking forward to tonight. And the, there's just a nice Glad change of pace, you know, like, I, I feel like these are, there's, a, there's an, appre- just like with craft lagers, when we all got into them at the beginning, and then, you know, now, you know, your macro, you went through the Euro lagers, and yeah, it's kind of got boring move on through the color wheel and the Belgians and then the trendy stuff. And then now lagers are coming back. And personally, I'm just like, kind of what we were saying, like, I love, love, if I can get my hands on a lager, I'm going for it. And I feel like the sort of almost second to that is the West coast because they, they still kind of few and far between, but the appreciation for them is, I don't know, tenfold because of that journey. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And, and, yeah. and maybe the palate, yeah. I don't want to say palate fatigue because I really love pace, but you know what I mean? Just that change up that Laurie explained it perfectly. Before. Change of pace, just to change yeah. of pace. You want to try something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In between, why yeah. not? For yeah. sure. I love it. Sorry. Look at that. That's a beauty right there. Oof. I'm going to give this a tip to take a nice little photo of Oof. Oof, Look at that. Mate. What a bloody. Oh, the nose on that is gorgeous. Uh, tell us about this nice. one. Citra, so yeah, this is a yes. Uh, so we uh, kind of like um, brewed a beer with. Um, so our velocity, as you're familiar with, is yes, is more of a traditional West Coast, a little bit more bitter, a uh, little bit. There is a like a you know a tiny bit of caramel malt in it. Okay. Yeah, it's darker. There's yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. of a rye in it, so it kind of like give it a different dimension. And yep. so we wanted to do a West Coast that doesn't have any caramel malt and uh, kind of like still use the Simcoe and Murillo, like the all-star. Like I, I love those two, the combination of Simcoe and Murillo. Uh, it just works so well for, for West Coast style IPA. 
and uh, we just throw in some citra just for a little bit extra citrus character and uh, it just worked out all right and we decided to keep it so cheers to you guys yes. cheers everyone cheers guys cheers cheers friends <laughs> Ooh, must cheers. Cheers. gorgeous i need a palate cleanser the palate cleanser meaning a chip yeah oh yeah right on <laughs> yeah this one does um the, the, this one does uh, like stand apart from um, uh, the, like from Velocipede. It's it, like it, it's nice to have that range. I mean, uh, the, the, like West Coast can come in so uh, like in so many different uh, uh, different varieties, and this is uh, uh, like you, you know they're, they're very much two distinct beers, even though, like even though they're both West Coast. Like this one, I find is more is more citrus forward than. Um, than Velocipede, like I get more grapefruit pith from this one, uh, like a little bit more, uh, like a little bit more bitterness from that, along with some pine, uh, like in a, like in a bit, in a bit of spice at the end. Like I like this is a this is a real nice West Coast. How long have you been doing this one for again? It's like third batch, so it's like not, like maybe three months. Yeah, kind oh, of on yeah, and off like a little months. bit. Yeah, it's like fresh, fresh. Okay. Yeah, this is like this is the recent, the, the latest batch of it, which I don't know, but still, ten I mean, days old or something like. That. Love it. Love the clarity on that. It's like the complete yep. opposite. So, so yeah, this like, you know, we we don't f- use fining agents or filtration in any of our our brewing process, so or or packaging. An aging process, so everything is all basically settled with temperature and you know um, pressure. So um, yeah, this is as clear as we can get this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. Um, so here, here's a question: like you, like even though, um, like even though I think it's fair to say that, uh, like even though you guys do have a bit of like have some variation in your styles, like like you mentioned, uh, like you mentioned the weed ale that's kind of like that's coming out next week that you do, um, like, like that you do like on kind of a, an annual basis and a few others, um, but even though like you do kind of mainly do pale ales and IPAs, you but you do. Um, you do keep up very well with a lot of uh, a lot of the brewing trends. Like we've already discussed, like the milkshake IPAs, the lupulin powder, um, uh, like and uh, like and all of these other things. Is there anything uh, like in terms of brewing style, brewing technology, brewing trend um, that you see coming up? Uh, that you like, that's kind of piqued your interest that you haven't done yet that you're like that you'd like to try sometime in the future. Hmm. I, you know, one of them is we are touched on loggers, and I think probably like a, a little bit hoppy lager would be something to we'd like to do, and uh, we don't do loggers straight now, just. For uh, yeah, so it's 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 fun to fun to do. I think what the ones I've tried, I enjoyed, and I think there's a lot of work you could do on those. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, I know we you know we've done some barrel aging and sours and stuff, but not very extensive. It's been very small, very like maybe one barrel every time we release. So it's okay. like what is it like three hundred something bottles. 
it's not much. Um, so we have a couple of those actually, or two of our to the two of our brewers that are working for us right now. They each designed a, a beer, and we kind of like put them in two different wine barrels for each batch. Basically, the batches that we make they fit in like two wine barrels. Not much, <laughs> anyways. But um, <laughs> so so they came up with with the recipe. It's their recipe, and uh, kind of like they work with me, obviously, to kind of make it work with our brew house, and and then um, we put it in the barrel. We threw some bugs at them and we'll see how it turns out. I mean, we're just checking them out every, as they go. And so far, so good. So we're, we're going to release those obviously when they're ready. And, uh, we like to do some more of that stuff. You know, if, you know, if there's room for expansion that it's, it's a fun thing to do barrels, like wild, wild fermentation, mixed fermentation, that stuff. We, we've tried them in the past, but we don't, we're not set up for it. Right. So we, you know, we don't have the space. We don't have the, the bottling capacity. When, we, when we're bottling a barrel, it's ridiculous. Like we have to basically take off all the tap room and four people coming and we just, like, it's, it's a, it's a show. It's fun. Um, but, uh, but the results are usually the, we've liked them. So we, we've obviously improved in those because we don't do many iteration of them. So, we're learning every time new things and hopefully we can utilize that. Maybe we can automate some processes in the, in the future. Kind of like, uh, you know, I have, we kept one of our old bright tanks. We use, we, we have a, we have a very small walking cooler, but we used to have the two bright tanks. We only had for making beer were in those walking coolers. It was a single shell. So that space was taken up by these two bright tanks. Uh, we sold it to another brewery, one of them to a brewery, but we kept one just for, for that purpose. I can try to mix stuff like maybe to, for, for, for bottling, utilize it somehow. But right now it's just tucked in the corner. We can't use it, but eventually. Yeah. That's stuff that I think right. we like to do. And I mean, Laura has ideas probably. Do you have anything in addition to that? I, mean, I know we talked about these things. Uh, no, we, we were talking mostly about loggers. Loggers, yeah. That was kind of yeah. our next, uh, our next thing. We need some. We need to sort of rework. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> some of our our process in the back for that. Yeah, yeah. Loggers I'd love to a, see a bicycle dry hop logger. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it'd be fun. We love fun. that. We love yeah. to make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah, loggers is <laughs> an interesting. Uh, we say weren't so time consuming or like problematic like that it's, it's it's kind of tough i do like the um i first saw i know they're out here now but i first saw them in the states the sideways uh horizontal tanks that uh for yeah. and i was like wow these things are fascinating and i guess that kind yeah. of uh you know that i don't know if that's good or bad but probably worse actually unless they're stacked on top of each other because they're taking up the same floor space as maybe two vertical fermenters so it's probably yeah. You, you know, uh, you could probably save up some space with those, as you said. Just kind of, kind of layer them on top of each other. But we have another problem, and that's the cooling capacity. Glycol chiller, we don't have one. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, we do, we but do, it's not but a rooftop. It's, it's not right. We have tiny little glycol chillers, a couple of them, and they're hooked up to enough fermenters and bright tanks that we. Like you'd be amazed. Like we do, we only cool in the bright tank. It's not, like we don't do any 
uh, chilling in the fermenters. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty tight in, in terms of that kind of facility as well. So yeah, we, we got a lot of work to do in that sense to, to be able to make it longer. Right now is I don't think we can unless we stop everything else and just do one fermenter of lager. Yeah. That, which wouldn't make sense for us, but no, no. it'd be epic. Mm, it would be great, but it wouldn't probably be a financially intelligent decision. <laughs> you know, try to keep, keep all the things moving and some it just it does it's such a shame that, that that's such a decision that brewers have to make with that particular style. That it's so difficult to, you know, you'd have to sort of give up multiple things, not just one thing, like probably multiple things to be able to to do one thing. I I did hear from from a few places that um, in the early days of the pandemic, when they weren't sure what was happening, so people didn't want to go like nuts on production, that they were like, all right, we can finally do it. All right, we we can do this. We can take that tank space for six weeks. Let's go. And they were able to jump in and do it. And that's been something, right. you know, I, I don't know if it was a sustainable uh, opportunity, but it was something that at least let people maybe try, like, you know, give it a crack. Who hadn't been able to before yeah. for the exact same reason you haven't been able to type of thing. You know, it's interesting to say that because as soon as the pandemic started and, and just a couple of days, there was this uncertainty. And when they announced uh, essential businesses and the breweries were amongst them, immediately after kind of like all that started we we had shortage of beer we had such a hard time keeping up which is you know another reason i mean we couldn't have done the lager but like if you definitely if you had tank space if you had beer to sell you know why not absolutely go for it it's a good sure. problem to have, I guess, that uh, you know, can barely keep up because people are still wanting, when, just when you thought maybe you are going to go out of business or something bad was going to happen. And yeah, it's very uncertain. Happen. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that uh, I guess it does make sense, though. In times of uncertainty, people want comfort of a uh, nice company. And uh, that's where, that's yep. where they, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's sounds like a, all right, sounds like a cool commercial there. Right? Ooh. I love yep. it. That's I right. love that. Should get in the advertising industry, goddamn. No, I love that. <laughs> um, this is awesome. What, is there anything else we want to touch on, Nate? I, I feel like I know we've gone a little over the time that uh, I indicated initially, but is there anything else we want to make sure we fit in? Uh, I'm not sure. I, th- I, like, I, I think we pretty well covered it. From you guys, side, was there anything else that we wanted to make sure we got? Do you know what? Well, what, what can, obviously, aside from the milkshake IPA that's coming soon, this could be. Could be anything. Um, yeah, the guava what, mango milkshake was, what was it coming out soon. Guava mango, pink guava mango. That's <laughs> that's cool. That's that's cool. That's cool. I love it. Um, yeah, like what 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 uh, you know what else? What can people look forward to from from bicycle in the you know for the remainder of twenty twenty one? You know, maybe obviously you know whether it's like beers or different things that are happening that you're able to talk about. Given that all things go well and that things get relatively back to normal, where folks can now dine inside and outside and it's yeah. safe and all that stuff, I think mostly we're we're looking forward to welcoming back everybody Absolutely. to the tap room, to our tiny patio, <laughs> yeah. just to see our you know our customers in person again. We would love that if that could happen this year. That would be amazing. Um, Absolutely. 
So that's kind of the biggest thing for us. Uh, I think probably, you know, our events will we'll slowly start to phase them back in um, when the time when the time's right. And hopefully that's soon as well. Yeah. Um, I think beer wise, we have uh, Juan Almonte is coming back. Oh, yeah. Which I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> What's that one? It's our it's our annual uh, uh, jalapeno pale ale. We do uh, we do a jalapeno pale ale. It's the, the it has its own following. It's fun. It's fun to do it, and it it, uh, it does have a local cult following. It's uh, <laughs> like yeah. uh, that's always an interesting one. <laughs> I mean yes, that the, yeah. just before the 2019 was the last time we had a huge party for it, and. Um, we had a mariachi band, and who knew you could get a mariachi band in Ottawa? We we did, we did have, we didn't know that, and we looked around, and there was That's one amazing. band. We hired them. Yeah, yeah they we were had, they were so they good. were awesome. They were, they were awesome, and then we had the tacos, and it was is a blast. It was a blast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so hopefully someday we'll get back to those yeah. great so, events. So again. this year there's no mariachi bands, but uh, Juan Almonte <laughs> is gonna drop in. We we brewed it. Uh, just yesterday, uh, yesterday, yeah, Thursday, yeah, and uh, also we may get a little bit of a facelift, yeah, maybe. Oh, oh yeah, 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 we are. Yeah, we're doing a little, yeah, a little bit of a logo. Yeah, we're just like reworking things. Still with working with Jamie, character, creative, talented people, and uh, awesome designers. But we kind of had a, something in mind. We pitched it to them and they came back with a couple of designs and we kind of went back and forth for, I think they, you know, it, we really, really went back and forth uh, because we had something in mind. It's hard to de- describe. Anyways, they delivered. So we're going to maybe make some changes in our uh, logo and kind of like some designs and also Funny thing, like I uh, not many people have been talking about, it, but it's like oh, Ontario has opened up farmers markets to the breweries, and that's right. awesome. It's it feels very natural, like to yeah. be in a farmer market, farmers market, and buy your beer there. It's it it's fun. I think it's. I think I wish I wish I could be doing doing that back in the day when I was looking for a beer. Like just like, go to a farmers market, buy a fresh bread. Then go another stall, get your beer, go get a couple of, you know, I don't know, vegetables and produce and then go home, have fun. That's so a that's great happening point. Like now. It, it, it seems like such an, it seems like such a natural fit, right? Like yeah. if you're, like if you're going to be somewhere where you can uh, like buy so many local goods, uh, the, the, like to, to now be able to buy local beer there as well. It, like it just seems like such a perfect fit. Absolutely. It's just so much fun to do that. And I'm glad that they have opened it up. Kudos to, to the government. Absolutely for that. I mean, like there's a, you know, governments not, they don't do things right. A lot of times, maybe they do for a lot of, you know, people, but a lot for a lot of people, they don't, but I feel like this is a good one for mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. I don't think there's harm in it at all. Yeah. So, fun. yeah. So, um, we're we're in a we're going to be in a couple of those. Uh, one of them is on Beechwood, which we we have, we have a our first beer garden was in Beechwood Street. We so just we have a special connection to that street and neighborhood, and uh, so we're in there in that farmers market on Saturdays, and then July eleventh 
we're going to be in an Elgin farmer's market, which is a brand new farmer's market on Elgin Street. Yeah, nice. so it's it's fun. Yeah, it's fun fun stuff, and we really love it. So we've done one of those farmers markets, unexpected, amazing, amazing. So that's it. Anyway, so that's that's from us. I think mm-hmm. yeah. that's great. I just want to really check for the farmers market. Do, can people buy pores of the beer, or they buy the the can products? So just the cans. To so go. right just now, cans. it's just the cans to go. But but my understanding is. Uh, it's mostly because of the COVID situation. Uh, I haven't looked into it, but like legally, if if say there was no COVID, you could sample beer. That's that's the idea. You could sample and sell. Uh, but right now, because of uh, pandemic, uh, you can't sell anything to consume on the in the market. Uh, even the food vendors aren't allowed to sell uh, food to be consumed there. So it's just like everything to go. Uh, yeah, including cans. Makes sense. I mean, that's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, it would be nice to get like a even like a one or two ounce, not one ounce, but like a you know two, three, four ounce sample. It's still quick things like oh yeah, I'll take four pack of that. Yeah, but still. Yep. Yep. It makes complete sense. Now I was just at uh, Jean Talon Market here in Montreal today. My barber is right near there, and I had to go past. And I was just as you were describing, I was like, yeah, it makes complete sense. Why wasn't there a stall? from different breweries and being able to sell their stuff there. It just makes sense. You're buying all the produce and stuff. Why can't you get some, some beer from there? It's, it's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, that's amazing. Um, what we do need to do is take the thumbnail for this episode. I'm going to take a screenshot. Do you yeah, want to hold, hold up some cans here? All right. So, all right. Should we do something? Yeah. Hold up some cans. All right, sounds good. I'm gonna see how many I can get. Can I get three? Can I get three? Oh, maybe it's gonna stick to. Oh, geez, you're going for three. No, I don't. I'm gonna go two. I'm gonna go two. I'm gonna go two. Yeah, go with go with two. Say, say, I'll I'll hold up tree tree climber and on the lamb. Maybe you go for willow and uh, free free I like I like your attitude, Nate. I like your organization. I appreciate it and I I value it. Here we go. And then between you guys, you could you could hold them all. Okay. I'll just do this. There you go. For it. You got it. Oh, look at that. All right. Hold, hold them all up. Yeah, there you go. Chuck them up, Laura. Why not? You got the T-shirt as well. The t-shirt. To the left. To your right. To your right. <laughs> the other left. There you go. Perfect. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's a bit of delay. <laughs> oh, that is stunning. Awesome. <laughs> Let me make sure that's good. That is great. Oh. Put down the Christmas card. That's beautiful. Um, guys, thank you so much. This was like really fantastic. Obviously, this is not how I thought it would go down. I thought we would be there in person. But uh, I guess these are the next best things. And uh, at least we're able to share a beer together and hang out for the evening. And uh, I really appreciate your time. It's super dope. Um, do you – you know what? Tell everybody where – First of all, hang on to the end of the call and we'll say goodbye off, off air, but we'll wrap up here. Where can everybody find Bicycle Brewing online? Uh, so it, on our website, um, it's at bicyclecraftbrewery.ca. Uh, so you can do, we sell across Ontario, which is um, like a government regulation, of course, uh, but flat rate shipping in Ontario and uh, free home delivery in Ottawa area as well and then we can also we have a walk-up window right oh, now yeah. so you can order through kind of like an ice cream window but it's for beer at the brewery <laughs> itself 
That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. And it's at Bicycle Craft Brewery on Instagram. Yes. 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 At Bicycle Craft Brewery. Yeah. And Absolutely. you're on Facebook and Twitter yeah. as well. You're everywhere. So make sure everybody go follow you guys. Uh, Uncle Nathan, where can everyone find you, my man? So uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Nathan Does Beer. Um, I'm also on the BAOS podcast blog. Uh, there's a quick link to all of my blogs at NathanDoesBeer.com. Uh, Faraborz, Laura, it's so good to see your faces, and I can't wait to see you guys again in person, hopefully very soon. It was oh, great seeing you guys. See you it, it was so much fun. And uh, Tiffany, I know where you were there. So just a high five from here. And <laughs> we we she, met once, and she was amazing. Yeah, she, uh, she's listening. She can anyways, after the delay. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> it was it was great to see you guys and great chat. Uh, it Likewise. was a lot of fun, for sure. Yes, I appreciate you all. Uh, stick around. I'm going to wrap it up and then we'll, we'll say goodbye there. But everybody, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new episodes drop. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio so you can hear freaking legends like Nate, Laura, and Farabos talking about craft beer. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 p.m. We have Nate with us every Friday until the end of June at 9 p.m. as well. So stay tuned. Lots coming this month, guys. We'll see you next episode. Have a great weekend. Cheers. (laughs) 